All right, high five the fans. If you want a good time, you know we've talked about this before, but we're going to talk about it again. Q, do you know what I'm about to say? Are you about to mention high five colon the game night featuring Bill Murray Bingo at the Crying Wolf in East Nashville, or am I way off base? No, you're right pretty much on base. That's exactly what I was going to say, especially since we planned this ahead of time. That's crazy. Yeah. How did I know that you were going to say that after the discussion that we had prior to recording? Because it's legitimately written down on a piece of paper in front of you. And I'm um, reading it. It also says that it's the last Wednesday of every month. And it's also written down that, that Jay points at the piece of paper and says it's written down here right in front of you. And then it also says Q ignores what Jay is pointing at and continues to read the items off of the list. And then it says Jay gives Q a very angry look. And then it says Q hits stop on recording. You are now listening to High Five, the podcast, a movie podcast for people who like other stuff, too. Now let's join our hosts, Q and J, as they broadcast live from the writer's room. The show starts in one... I think of Orlando Jones. I think of uh, the... Shit, was the show he was just on that got canceled? Um... Sleepy Hollow. He's pretty good in Sleepy Hollow. Oh, yeah. I think of the David Duchovny, like, uh, evolution movie, because he's in that. Um, I think of his scene in Office Space, because I think his scene in Office Space is amazing, as nice. the, the door-to-door newspaper yeah. salesman, and then, obviously, the 7-Up commercials. The 7-Up is what I remember yeah. him, like, that's Orla- first and foremost. He, and he has to hate that. Orlando Jones has to hate the fact that everyone's like, yeah, way to go, 7-Up guy. He's like, shit, that was, like, one thing that I did like a, long time, a ago. long time ago. But, I mean, come on, let's think about it. Like, if the Can You Hear Me Now guy had become super famous in movies and was, like, a credible actor and not just, like, cribbing off of Sprint now, like, he would always be the... Like, he could win an Oscar, and they'd be like, can you hear me now? Like, that, it would always be that, because he was so synonymous with that character. That's so true. But yes, no, American Gods is fantastic. Um, I cannot wait to watch the next, I think, three. Um, there's been so much that we're having to catch up on. Like, Handmaid's Tale, we had to catch up on. That is so good, it's too. It's so good. Um, Silicon Valley, we had to catch up on, which is great this season. Um, I've, I'm one episode behind on Twin Peaks. Okay. Um, and loving it. And and then like some of just the dumb ones that we watch like Master Chef. There's some real like good television happening right now. That's the problem is that I can't. There's not enough time, especially with a two year old, sure. to watch all the things that need to be watched. I'm also a complete season behind on Mr. Robot. Um, which, I am also a complete season which I've on saved on iStream at all on the episode yeah, monitor yeah. to watch, but I just haven't so got around good. to it. Um, and that's the problem is that watching new shows, trying to catch up, like we're behind on the Americans. I want to watch that. We're behind on, um, I always want to go back and rewatch the wire, even though I've already seen it. Um, and then like the new stuff that's coming out, you know, like game of Thrones is coming out pretty soon. I know. And so I don't even know what I'm going to do with myself. And the, and the fact is, is that I also enjoy watching old shows that I love, like going back and rewatching shows. I see what you're trying to do. Yeah. You see exactly what I'm doing. You're trying to segue, but I'm going to stop you before we segue and I'm going to force you to high five me. Should uh, I mean, okay. So should we high five? Because you were getting dangerously close to revealing the topic. So we should high five. I think it's okay because the title of the episode usually gives it away. That's not how this works. High five me. High five. Should we high five? High five. High five. High five. High five, son. Woo! High five. Don't let me 
That sounded great, and I just recorded you saying, how did that sound? <laughs> you know what? I'm very, uh, uh, I don't want to say clairvoyant, mm-hmm. but I'm very concerned with the audio quality of our show, because I don't control that. You control I that, I do, Q. and if if it sounds great, Jay is in 100% control of it. <laughs> Not. Yes. I meant to do that the other way around. <laughs> yes. No, I am let's 100% stick with that. If, if it. it sounds great, Jay is responsible. If it, if it sounds, sounds terrible, terrible or the the intro is edited into the wrong space, <laughs> that's all cue. That is true. But what I can do better than edit is I can intro our topics. I would love it if you would do that, cue. So, Jay, let me give you a breakdown. Today, we have a very special topic, one that is near and dear to our hearts and eyeballs. We are doing our top five most rewatchable television shows. Yay! And that means rewatching in its entirety from the beginning to Oh. End. Okay, so I mean not necessarily. I'm just saying b- like I I put them on my list because I could genuinely rewatch this entire It's not like, oh yeah, the series has two great episodes that I watch sure, regularly. Sure, sure. But so that's how you were thinking about it when you put your list together? I was thinking the, sh- the show as a whole had to be so good that I could genuinely go back and rewatch it anytime. I I think actually looking at my list, they all meet that qualification. Okay. But when I was thinking about it, when I was putting this together, it was the idea of I can rewatch any of these episodes at any time and I'm fine with it. Like, this isn't for me the best shows on television. So, for instance, let me give you an example. Okay. Breaking Bad is not on my list. Okay. I am of the opinion that Breaking Bad is in the top three or four television shows that have sure. ever been made, but to just see an episode like in syndication right. and then just be like, yep, I'm going to watch it. I don't really do that with breaking bad because it's so linear. So then you and I no, we're not, we're not saying the different things. We're saying okay. the same thing. I just mean a show to make it on my list. The show has to be so enjoyable for me yes. that I want to watch it. Now breaking bad while a good show is it's not like just rewatchable fodder. Like it's not one that I can just pick up an episode out of whatever season and right. just be like, "Oh, this is going to be I'll just throw this yeah. on for some light television viewing." In Game the of Thrones and The Wire also fall into that category yes. for me. They're fantastic too- shows, but you're not just going to casually watch no. them. No. And I also think they're too linear. Uh-huh. So the storylines are too um what is what is that called when it's like episode to episode, it carries on a single arc. Uh, there's um, I can't think of it right now. It's a linear. There's a term for it. I know linear is a, a good serialized. One. Yes, it's serialized. That's a, what it is. Yes, those shows are so serialized that I can't. You can't just reach in and pick out an episode. You're not just gonna plop in. No, not yeah. at all. You have to watch the story arc. Otherwise, it's gonna be weird or off-putting. All of the shows on my list, while some of the shows may contain very serialized story arcs all every single show on here can easily be watched independently any episode that's exactly the the shows that are on my list as well i'm glad that we haven't talked about this like we don't know each other's list because it makes it more fun now one thing that i did notice when i finished and i'm interested on your take on this is almost all of mine ended up being comedic shows i think it's easier to do this with comedy I would, uh, yeah, uh, yes. Like, I would say there are more comedic shows on. My, well, I would, yeah. I, I and I, I can almost guess one or two that's on your list. Okay, and it, the one that I'm thinking of, which I know is a favorite of yours, while it's a drama, 
or while it's you know uh-huh. a dramatic it has show, comedic it elements. is very heavily leaning towards comedic elements. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of the characters happen to be comedic. Now, if it's not on your list, then I'm just completely wrong in what I'm thinking right, right. now. But I don't think I'm wrong. I don't think you're wrong. You know me. <laughs> I do. You know I what do. I like. But uh, yeah, um, when I put my list together, I think this is a lot easier to do with comedy because comedy is so lighthearted and it's easy to plop into a it's comedy. It's very accessible. Yes. Like yeah, from, that's a great word. From any time frame, comedy is always okay. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I don't necessarily want to sit down. Like if I had a shit day at work and I come home and I'm like, I just want to switch my brain off. I'm not like, let me put on, you know, fucking... Breaking Bad, right? Like you right. You know what right. I mean. I'm not like no, like that's heavy, and I don't need heavy. Right. Comedy you can go to at any point. You'd be like, I've had a long day. I just want to let loose. Let's throw on this old chestnut <laughs> of my favorite episode <laughs> of whatever, and just let it ride. Yeah. Or this, these are shows that I can watch while I'm doing other things. So yes. I'll like have them in the background, just playing. Um, this is stuff that you know. If um, all of these shows are shows that I've recommended to friends that. You know, mm. the I feel like every show on my list is easily, once again, to use that word, very accessible. So I feel like you don't have to necessarily lean towards one genre or the other right. to enjoy these. I feel like these shows are pretty universally enjoyable. And I would say with that, you talked about serialized shows that have long arcs across the entire seasons. You know, most of my shows are more self-contained, but I think another genre of show that you can do this with is procedurals. Totally. It's like a law and order or a house yeah, cause- where it's, if you know the characters and you know the procedure, quote unquote procedure, sure. you know what the arc of that episode is going to be. Now, there may be other things that are going on that reference larger stories, but there's going to be a beginning, a middle, and an end, and a conclusion to every episode. Totally. And that's why people, when they're on vacation in their hotel room, will watch eight hours of Law and & Order and forget right. to go to the aquarium, right. because it's just like, oh, that guy died. That's They're going to interview people. They're going to catch somebody. That's not going to be the right person. They're going to figure out you who the right person is. You said that as someone who uh, you almost are speaking from personal experience i did that last fucking weekend okay perfect (laughs) (laughs) i was about to say i was like that sounds oddly specific there is a reason there is a reason that procedurals are so popular and there's why there's so many of them that's why there's csi and csi miami and csi new york and csi wascogee you know like there's a reason that those exist because that format works everywhere all you have to do is change the settings or you change the letters around like csi make it ncis or (laughs) or suv or right or in uh in mri what did you say ncis ncis mri like csi mri new york yeah like it's it's gonna be great add mtv (laughs) vh1 SFST What was that fucking what's that show on uh, Adult Swim? The like NTSF Oh colon STV SU or something SUV like that. or whatever. It's fucking Which ridiculous. is a, a complete one hundred perfect spoof of procedural of procedural stuff. Yeah. Um but yeah, man, like I'm jazzed on this list. These uh you know I'm so I feel so happy about this list that I almost expect, even if your list doesn't match my list or vice versa, um, I expect to commiserate with you on the enjoyment of your show. Sure. You know what I mean? And I actually told you before we recorded that I'm so happy with my top five that if your five aren't the same, I'm going to be slightly disappointed, even though I know for a fact they're not. Right. 
But see, so you're going to have the opposite effect of me. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm openly welcoming your choices and you're like I'm going to be disappointed in you. Yeah, I'm going to to begrudge your existence. Thanks, dad. You're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. Do you have that $50 you owe me? <laughs> no. You cut the yard. I don't. <laughs> I don't. You cut the yard this weekend. Um all right, so, so let's get to it, man. All right, well Jay, let's do our fives and fours and then we'll it. take a quick break. Um all right, uh, my number 5 is this does happen to be one of my favorite shows of all time, but my number five is Seinfeld. Mm. Seinfeld, I think, we've talked about it in other episodes. I think Seinfeld was groundbreaking when it came out. Totally. Lasted for nine seasons, but the rewatchability of this show, for me, is on an epic scale. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because every episode is so self-contained, but even beyond that, they play with styles. They spoof different things. But one of the things that I love about Seinfeld is while to a degree it is cemented in the decade that it played, you know, mainly the 90s, you don't really get a time capsule feel from it. It always sort of feels fresh. Um, some of the pop culture references and obviously the sports references. I will gonna, I, I, So I will say this to you. As someone who recently went back and and binge Seinfeld from beginning to end. Uh, I will disagree with you that I definitely feel like out of another show that I can almost guarantee is going uh-huh. to be on your list. It actually, this Seinfeld does feel more dated really than any other show. And I will actually say that because, um, that was the first thing that popped into my head while watching the show. Really? While the stories themselves are timeless to an, to a sense, there are right. definite, Episodes that require plot devices of things that don't exist anymore because it was so of the time. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Um, but I feel like the the st- like the whole look of the show is very of its time. Really? Uh, is it the multi cam multi camera angle? I think so. Those those don't happen a lot anymore, right? And I, so I think that that lends to it. I think. Just the overall actual style choices of the characters okay, dates yes. it much harder than some of the other shows. Like they, they were very, um, I would even say maybe like fashion forward. Yeah, on there, so they were really current fashion as opposed yeah. to like classic. Well, fashion, I mean, Elaine you know I mean? worked for a fashion magazine, exactly. so so I feel like a lot of times it really read like, wow, this is. Dated. Well, and I'll and I'll grant you that, and because a lot of the a lot of the episodes based themselves around like New York happenings or New York politics or current event type of things. Sure. Um, I can I can grant you that that but idea. That, let me just say that that is not a slight whatsoever, or a disagreement of its earned place on your list. Right. I totally think it is a very rewatchable show. I just wanted to interject because you had said. It feels timeless to well, an extent, and that's an I don't feel like it. And it's an interesting point because you have a different experience with Seinfeld than I do. Is I know you did not watch it I growing did not. up, definitely not. This was one I watched every week growing up, and see so that may lead to it as well. It is extremely nostalgic in a way for me, but it's sort of one of those that ingrained itself in my psyche almost. Like I will quote Seinfeld almost a, on a daily basis at sure. work. I can't count the number of times I have used the phrase card says moops to just be like, well, that's the way it is. That's my phrase for that's the way it is. Card says moops. Right. 
you know, quoting that fantastic Bubble Boy episode. And that's one that I do feel is timeless because it's them going on a road trip, getting separated and things coming back together at the end. Right. Um, but because of that, because of my different experience, I guess it would feel timeless to me, but probably not to other people. You've even said, you know, younger people you've talked to who have started watching the show say it feels really old. Totally. And it never does that. It never feels old to me. Totally. So who knows? I don't know. But I think there's just a way that they wrote it. Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld were so smart in the way that they wrote it. And uh, one of the reasons that it's so timeless for me and the reasons it's so watchable for me is they were one of the first shows to, and they say this all the time, but the show about nothing. The idea that it's just people existing and life is funny. You know, right. it's not as like, oh, my mother-in-law is coming into town and what are we going to do? It's just these four people dealing with their lives that are connected for some reason. And that has been copied over and oh, over. I sure. mean, Friends took it. Um, How I Met Your Mother has taken it. Even to a degree, some of the newer shows, like, I mean, the Carmichael show does it to a degree, even though that's based around a house and a family. Right. Um, there are shows that just exist off of that. And they didn't, it didn't exist before Seinfeld. Sure. And I can go back to these episodes, the, the episode with the bet where they make a bet to see who can not masturbate yeah. the longest yeah. is so rewatchable to me. I can watch it at any day of the week and I, I find it funny every single time. One of my favorite is the Elaine sponge episode. Oh, the sponge so worthy. Good. So good. Sponge worthy. Yeah. With putty. That putty's in that episode. <laughs> yeah. Isn't yeah. He? yeah. Oh, Patrick Warburton coming off of that show. Um, I think one of my favorite episodes ever, and it was groundbreaking, is the Chinese restaurant yeah, episode. Yeah, that is also one of my favorites, and, where they're waiting for the entire yep. length of the episode, they're waiting for the table. And I think, I'm going to say this, and if, if I'm wrong, people can disagree with me on Twitter, but I think it was the first network sitcom real-time bottle episode. Okay. Because it was, and I remember them talking about it, is they wanted to have an episode that lasted 27 minutes, that took place in a span of 27 minutes. And at the sake of uh, delving into a mans mansplaining territory, can you let, why don't you refresh me on what a bottle episode is? Oh, sure. Uh, a bottle episode is usually used in sitcoms, but it can be used in other types of television shows. But it's when all the characters are contained in one space for the entirety of the episode. Gotcha. So uh, we go back to Saved by the Bell. You know, they get locked in an elevator. Right. And the entire show takes place in that elevator. Ooh, or, for example, so would the uh, the episode in the lab on Breaking Bad be the a fly? bottle episode? The Fly episode? The, which, directed the, by the fantastic Ryan Johnson. Right. Oh, yes. Um, that's a bottle episode. But that's episode. a bottle episode because that, that whole thing takes place in yep. the single location. So where in most shows you're cutting from location to location to location, most of the Friends Thanksgiving episodes are considered bottle episodes because it's all in the, in apartment. the apartment. They don't have to be trapped. They just have to take place in a single location okay. for the entirety of the episode. The easiest mechanic to get that to happen is trapping right. people Trapping somewhere. the characters in um, that space together. But every show has used it, but it's such a precarious... Uh, it, it's such a precarious mechanism that if it's done poorly, it gets boring very, very quickly. You have to have a strong cast and strong writers to pull it off. Sure. But, you know, you'll almost hear if you hear writers talk about it. And we got to our second season, and so we felt like we were capable to attempt a bottle episode. I totally dig that. All right, cool. Well, that uh, Then, yes, that that is one of my favorite television bottle episodes. Then. Oh, uh, for sure, is the for Chinese sure. restaurant episode. And they did it in a great way where it was real time. 
you know, right. long before 24 tried to do it. <laughs> right. But there was no key for Sutherland yeah. in this episode. They had you. half an hour before, you know, Plan 9 from Outer Space for Jerry was starting. Right. And they were waiting on this table. And it's all the things they were doing in this one place wow. while waiting for 27 minutes. Right. And it was brilliant. It is, it is brilliant. And so that for reasons like that, I can go back to Seinfeld over and over and over again. And it doesn't matter like what time of day. It's syndicated almost 24 hours a day now, it feels like. Um, it does. I feel like there are so many channels that you can turn on to at any point, mm-hmm. and there's Seinfeld TBS playing. is a big, uh, a, a big, a big offender of for this Seinfeld for sure. Um, and so that's why for me that this is number five on my list is okay. that a lot of times it's I can't just turn my brain off because I always find myself paying attention to it, I which will, is why it's lower on my list. And that's what I was about to say. I am actually knowing you and knowing your love of Seinfeld. I'm surprised that this is your number five. So it makes me even more intrigued to find out what right. the rest of your list would be. Well, and that's why it's number five is that it's almost impossible for me to completely turn my brain off and just like rewatch it in the background. Because you still want Because I'll always to get sucked in. I got you. And to your point, I do understand while the, the other shows on my list don't feel as quote unquote dated to their time periods. It's timeless for me, but even when I watch it, some of the others feel fresher. Quote right, unquote. sure. Yeah, no, I understand I understand so. that. So a solid number five. I will I will uh, appreciate your choice. Oh, I appreciate that very much. Well, I appreciate you. Aw. I'm not gonna keep that going. Oh, damn it. Um I'm actually just gonna move on to my number four. Uh, let's do it. Okay. So my number four, following on the heels of Seinfeld. Of rewatchable shows, Arrested Development. Nice. So, Arrested Development, another one of my favorite shows. I think Arrested Development is entirely rewatchable for a different reason. Okay. Arrested Development is rewatchable because they pack so many jokes per second into that show that every single time I watch it, I pick up different things and can enjoy the episodes in different ways. Anew. So you're yeah. almost viewing it anew yeah. every time you watch it. I mean, there are so... Ha- the first time you watch through the show, you'll be laughing, and you'll miss two jokes that happen right after that, or you'll miss something that's happening in the background that references something else that happened. Uh, another thing about the show that they did, and the writers on Arrested Development were, were brilliant. Um, almost, in my opinion, like, that and community have some of the smartest comedy writers. Oh, I think. for sure. I, I definitely agree. But one of the things that Arrested Development sort of pioneered was they hid punchlines in early episodes for jokes that wouldn't pay off for a season or two later. So when you're rewatching it, you're like, wait a minute. Was he talking about, oh my God, he said that like three episodes ago and now this is happening and it it's funny in context in the show, but it's also funny in context of the series. Sure. And so that to me makes this immensely more rewatchable because I can plop into single episodes. They are pretty self-contained while there is always an overarch, but they have some of the funniest set pieces. Um, when I, one of the episodes I always think about for Arrested Development is the one where Tobias, um, thinks there's a mole. He's being the mole in the family Mm -hmm. and he dresses in a gigantic mole costume Mm -hmm. And on the other side of the family, they're trying to sell a, a, a development to Chinese buyers 
who aren't, and there's no development to be made. So they've right. made a mini version of houses on a hill far away, and they're showing it to them through a window. And the two stories collide with Tobias coming up over the hill as this giant mole and destroying this tiny town in front of these Chinese investors. <laughs> and they're they're screaming, Godzilla, Godzilla. And Tobias is trying to act like a mole, really, right. quote, unquote, get into character. And every single time I watch that scene or set piece from that show, I laugh hysterically. It doesn't matter how many times I've seen it or even if I anticipate the joke. Sure. It's just funny every time. I always think of uh, the Charlize Theron Oh, with Michael, uh, the Mr. F. <laughs> yes. Where she is like the mentally handicapped <laughs> Men- person. Mentally R word female. And he's just thinking that she's British. Yes. And that's the thing. And it's like handicapped or British, like well, very British. <laughs> and then there, there was a Mr. F. And that's related to the Tobias is the mole. Right. Because they thought there was a mole in the family and his code name was Mr. F. Right. So that's why Michael was dating her thinking it was her but really they're talking about mr funke which is tobias which is tobias and again it's just so smart and interwoven that's great i love the uh i love the george michael and maybe like their whole that whole george michael's obsession with maybe and this especially the one where he starts wearing the muscle suit and at the end of the episode she at she tells him about it and he's like, oh, you knew it was a suit? <laughs> like, just yeah. his naivety of being like, oh, you knew this The was whole time? Yes. Because he was, like, wearing it under his clothes. Yeah. And she's like, oh, nice muscles, as a joke. And he thought that she thought he'd been working out. So then he thought that he needed to just wear it all the time to keep yes. up appearances? And then the running gag of never... The running gags in the show are some of the best they've done, but the running gag of Tobias being a never-nude. Absolutely. Um, which... Is in the first episode, but they don't even really reference it. It's just in the shower with jean shorts on. Right. Um, and then the running gags of everything Tobias says is a double entendre, unbeknownst to him. Like the I blew myself, or, you know, he sat on his face, or right. I'd like to sit on that. Or It's just so well done that everything is really smart and clever, and it's so interwoven and spread out that I can just plop into any episode, incredibly enjoy that episode for what it is. Sure. And then um, I do love, I keep going back to Tobias, but I love the arc where he's basically spoofing Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, yes. And then they reference the Ron Howard as the fantastic narrator says, which, yes, is the exact plot of Mrs. Mrs. Doubtfire. (laughs) Now, I will say this. My only, and I, I don't even think that this qualifies as an argument for your choice because I don't argue your choice at all. I think it's a fantastic pick. Um, I would say every season is accessible like that except for the fourth season. I will say the way that they structured the fourth season Mm -hmm. almost requires that it be watched in a certain order for a lot of the overarching jokes to make sense. I would agree with that, but let me add a a different layer of thought to it because the fourth season is one of the reasons I put it on my rewatchable lists because the fourth season almost requires that you watch it multiple times. Oh, to I truly get everything. So not only the idea of me wanting to watch those characters and every episode being funny in its own right, sure. which I mean, uh, in the fourth season, Buster's characters hand the hand of God episode yes. where it's Buster getting the gigantic new hand and joining the army. 
is a hilarious episode, but then all these other things are being fit into it that only makes sense if you've watched the rest of the season. Sure. So being able to enjoy it on both of those levels and not not only wanting to watch it, but being required to watch it right. multiple times to catch everything right. is why it's a little bit higher on my list. I will agree with that. And, you know, I may have the unpopular opinion here. I actually didn't enjoy the fourth season as much as I enjoyed the original season. It is the weakest of the four. Although, you know, with the fifth season, Will know, Arnett has come back, back to the bringing everybody together the same way that it was done for the first yep. go around, which I'm 100 percent on board with. Um, I just felt like. I don't know. I felt like it it wasn't as strong. I agree with you. It is the weakest of the four, but still a having great said that, and easily miles above show. most other comedies totally. that exist. And I regular and I, the reason I agree with you on this is I regularly do go back and watch Arrested yeah. Development. It's it's one of those that I will randomly throw on whenever. You, you can have multiple experience if you watch it in a row. It's brilliant for what it is, but you can easily just jump into an episode and enjoy the hell out of that one episode. So that's why for those that duality of reasons, it's it's on my list and higher than duality Seinfeld. of reasons. Yeah, Michael. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's our tricks our, are what whores do for money. Illusions, Michael. It's an illusion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Joe. We didn't even mention Joe, but he's one of my favorite characters. Also known as Lego Batman. Yes. Pewter. Basically the same character. You've watched that movie finally, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Finally. Very enjoyable. Oh, so enjoyable. Well We done. started while well, we watched it. Uh, we watched the first 20 minutes of it again this morning. Just Such a good movie. Shits and giggles. And actually, Arrested Development is, is was that like his first? That was kind of what put him on the map for sure, I would say. That's what put him on the map. He had, you know, Will Arnett was an actor before that, but. That's, That's what, what put kind of him cemented on the map. him into the. I think he did a lot of commercial voiceovers because of his amazing voice. He does have an, <laughs> he does have an amazing voice. It's but, like the it's like the Christian Bale Batman voice, but not obnoxious. Right? Somehow not obnoxious. Yeah. Um, Will Arnett is one of those interesting characters where, and I may have even said this on a previous episode, but he ha- he is so funny and has such goodwill with me that even the fact that. 90% of his shows fail. Or he, movies for that yeah, fact. Like, he let's go never, to prison. Oh, my God. He never has leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Because no. the things that he does that are so funny, and even in those shows that fail, there was the show Running Wild that oh, Mitch yeah. Hurwitz did. Yep. He was really funny in that show. The show wasn't good. But he's really funny. Right. So I always give him credit for that. There was a... What was the other show that he did with... um Uh... JB Smoove, like Meet the oh, Somethings or yeah, The yeah, Millers, yeah. Meet the yeah, We're meet the, the Millers, Millers or Meet the Millers, The Millers. Like yeah, he was really funny in that show. I was actually sad that that show got canceled because it was very enjoyable. Hmm. So I don't know that I ever caught any of the episodes, but catch one or two, you'll laugh. It's not gonna be anything you get addicted to. It's not on this list. It's not rewatchable. Yeah, it's not on this list. Nor is it an honorable mention. But you'll laugh right. when you watch it. That's fair enough. So so far, kicking off the list with two very. Solid. You have created a wonderful foundation for the rest of your list. So I'm hoping this foundation is going to strengthen the show. But what I need is I need your additions to this foundation. Who, me? Yes, you. you. That's whose list you want now? I do. I want your your five and four. I'm going to take my pants off. What? Mine are already off, so may as well join me. That's why I just announced that I'm going to take them (laughs) off. 
Just so you didn't feel like I had been like wearing my pants in defiance of you. I never announce time. it. And I always assume people who wearing pants are just in defiance of me. That everyone so, is just being yeah. standoffish. Yeah. Why is everyone being so pants standoffish? Pants offish. Pants offish. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag pants offish. <laughs> Uh, all right. So kicking off the list on my number five, my number five is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I knew that was going to be on of your list. Of course it's going to be on my list. That's the one I was referencing. That's not a quote unquote comedy show, sure. but is very heavily weighted toward comedic elements. Totally. And that is all thanks to the always brilliant Joss Whedon. And who, Seth Green. Yes. <laughs> well, for a couple seasons. Um, but so Buffy the Vampire Slayer for me, it earns its place on the list for a couple reasons. One, um, you know, arguably it is one of the greatest shows kind of ever. It, it, um, a lot, it's, it's on, I know it's on a lot of, you know, top critics lists for greatest shows of all time right. kind of thing. So it's a great show. And I think so far I'm going to be, I'm, I'm doing the over under every time we do a TV episode on whether sure. or not you're going to mention Buffy the Vampire sure. Slayer. Cause musical episodes, it was on there yep. debut episodes. It was on there. Yep. Um, I think the only ones that it weren't were worst TV finales and Saturday morning cartoons. And for some reason, I figured you would try and fit it into Saturday morning cartoons somehow. Well, there was that trailer of the fan-made animated Buffy the Vampire series. And it was really good. It was really good. It should have been on this list. <laughs> I watched it picked the 90s. Up in the 90s. Um, but this show uh, it has it'll introduce another kind of uh, trope of, of these rewatchable shows. So this has a Freak of the Week kind of situation which allows it to be very accessible so you can get in at the beginning of either any of these episodes for the most part there are definitely some episodes that overarc into others that you know required like two three episode run but for the most part you can pick up any episode you can pretty much get your characters right off the bat and it has your beginning, middle, and a self-contained right. end. By that the is one that I would consider a procedural. Because For sure. there is a villain of the week. Sure. The freak of the week. Okay. The demon. For the demon freak of, of the, the week, week, if you will. Yes. Um, so, uh, but it, I mean, it's got a brilliant cast. I mean, you've got Sarah Michelle Gellar. You've got um, Allison Hannigan. You've got um, Anthony Michael he- or Anthony Stewart Head. Don't forget um, Borealis. David Bo- Boreanis. Boreanis. Aurora, Aurora Borealis. Yes. Uh, David Boreanaz. You've got Seth Green. Yep. Um, you've got uh, and I can't I can't ever remember his name. Joss Whedon. Well, yes, but uh, z- the the guy who plays Xander. Oh, uh, Xander. Yep. Um, damn it, fans, go ahead, hoist me on my own petard. <laughs> um, but it's it's got so it's got a killer cast right off the top, um, and it's got characters that you care about. It has very, very enjoyable comedic overtones. For sure. Um, it's got some really weighty drama um, in some episodes like uh, The Body, for example, is one that comes to mind. Spoiler alert, uh, it's the one where uh, Buffy's mom dies. And it's an incredibly gut-wrenching and heartfelt drama. So it can really flip yeah. the switch from being something that is laughable and like, Oh, people are running around in silly costumes to this really intense, like melodrama. Now, right. I'm glad you said spoiler alert. Cause right now somewhere in the world, there's someone listening to this podcast who has just started, started Buffy. Buffy and they're like four episodes in and Buffy's mom is their favorite character. Yeah. They're like, I hope they're around forever, forever and nothing bad. And then I'm like, ever happens. And they also happen to listen to our show as well. Yeah. No, well, because everybody listens to the show. I mean, all five of them. <laughs> um, but so it's got all of that going for it. 
Um, but one of the things that it does best is it provides these um, caricature kind of versions mm-hmm. of very relatable archetypes. Right. So, um, you know, Xander is kind of your goofball best friend. He's the ducky, if you will, of I like like that. The, the 16 candles. I here. like that analogy. Um, th- is that the right movie? Yeah. 16 candles, ducky? Right. Okay, good. Um, oh, wait. Is that or is that Pretty in Pink? It's one of them. I think they're the same movie. Either way, he's the ducky type. They're character. basically the same movie. Um, John Cryer may as well have been Xander. One hundred percent. You've also got um, uh, Willow, who is your kind of quintessential like nerdy, you know, meek character. Um, you've got Buffy, who is your kind of uh, the beautiful kind of smart and slightly tortured kind of heroine. Um, She is actually, and I will make this argument. I think we have before. I think she is one of the most interesting female heroines of all time. Like I find her character to be so multi-layered. So uh, just intriguing. She's not a damsel in distress. She's always been her own kind of like, driving force i would agree i actually would agree with you there now i think people that are huge fans of madam president would probably or madam secretary would, madam probably, secretary. Dis- would probably disagree They'd be or like, maybe no. what's the um uh the the lawyer show uh the good wife the good wife they'd yeah. be like no it's the good wife that that'd be the end is of it. that is that her is that her character's name i've never watched that neither show. have i i just assumed that the main character was called the good wife <laughs> And they're just like, oh, here comes the good wife. Here, hello, Mrs. Goodwife. How are you? It's not. It's Coffee? not two separate words. It's just. It's like Goodwell or Bedwell. It's like Goodwife or Goodman, just, like John Goodman. Yeah. It's just like the good, the Goodwife. Her the first good. name is the last name Goodwife. I don't at all think that's what that show is. It's not. Um, no. Okay. But people would make the argument that she's a very strong central female character. Sure, but, but I would they'd say be that wrong um, because Buffy's better. Buffy is better, and Buffy came first. Yeah. Um, Better so, than the movie version. Totally. And here's one of the best things about Buffy, and that I feel makes it rewatchable. Just like we've talked about certain shows having each episode packed with so many jokes that it becomes rewatchable, this show almost changes show tone from episode to episode. That's one thing I was going to bring up that I think is a benefit for them is that they are able to jump almost genre jump without genre jumping. Absolutely. You've got the musical episode, mm-hmm. which is clearly one of the best television musical episodes of all time. You've got um, some self-contained bottle mm-hmm. episodes that take place completely in one singular area. You've got um, stuff that deals more with family drama than supernatural drama, like the body episode. Right. You've got um, episodes that are super like heavy love Stories. You've got some that are very like revenge story ish kind of stuff. So you you get all these different types of stories. So there's almost an episode for whatever mood you may be in. Right. So if you're like, I want to, I I've had a shitty romantic day today. I want to watch someone fall in love. You can queue up an episode of Buffy. If you're like, I've had a shitty romantic day in the sense that romance is shit, and I want to see somebody murder someone else after being betrayed by their lover, you can queue up an episode of Buffy. Um, If you come home and you're like, boy, that was difficult getting possessed by a demon earlier today at work, and you don't want to see somebody get possessed by a demon, you can totally watch a ghost episode of Buffy. For every time I've come home from work and said, man, I've had a really bad possessed by a demon day. Yeah. Me too. You just have those. That happens to you a lot too. All the time. Good. I'm glad at least it's not just me. 
Um, I will not kill him. Leave me alone. Stop. He's fine. He gets it. He's one of us. What? Yeah. Um, so uh, I that's why it holds its place on there. Um, Joss Whedon, one of the other things that he kind of brought to the television landscape, um, he's one of the best multi-character writers. Oh, of course. Ever. Yeah. So he can write for a cast full of characters. And in almost every episode of this show, you have at least six main characters all kind of involved in this story. Right. Um, which is an impressive feat to be able to write <clears throat> and have rewarding storylines right. per episode for all of these characters. Well, and, you know, a lot of shows that end up becoming very, very famous and popular usually migrate to that sort of ensemble version at some point in time. I mean, you know, How I Met Your Mother is a good one because they, they're all the characters, but they have the bar that they go to. Totally. You know, Friends, they have Central Perk. Um, in Buffy, they have the library. They also have the bronze. <clears throat> yes. Which is a hangout spot for them. They have several places. They have the magic shop later yeah. in the series. Yeah, magic shop. Um, you know, Saved by the Bell has the uh, the hangout diner. The Max. The Max, yeah, the hangout diner they go to. So most shows will progress in that direction, and Joss Whedon being so strong in that ensemble writing. I mean, he came from Roseanne. Yes. Another one of the most famous ensemble cast shows yeah. ever and they had their house like that was their that was that their, was their spot. meeting ground totally 100 um and you know and that's why he got pegged to do avengers speaking of which roseanne's coming back roseanne's coming Did back you and, see that? and just wheaton's doing uh justice league i saw that another ensemble piece. and batgirl oh he's doing both of them yes okay so he was hired by D- dc to direct completely on his own volition batgirl so he's doing a batgirl movie i knew i'd sure. read about that then he got because of the goodwill he has earned so far with his work developing the Batgirl movie when Zack Snyder. And we should go ahead and address that now, um, since uh, one of our most recently played episodes or listened to episodes was our WTF DCEU. Yes, episode. Uh, we were very hard on Snyder. We were very hard on Snyder. And I would like to say from High Five the Podcast, as we are not insensitive people, what he went through is an incredibly horrible tragedy. Those who have friends that uh, exhibit signs of potential suicide or self-harm or danger, as his his daughter unfortunately did, please contact somebody. Yeah, for sure. Get help. You're not alone. But we wanted Zack Snyder out of the DCEU for the betterment of comic book movies. Sure. This is not the way that we wanted it to happen. <laughs> yes, for sure. We just wanted him to realize he sucked at it and then leave right. of his own volition. Right, correct. Luckily, Joss Whedon was able to be there, and they said, hey— what you do with the Avengers, we want with we the want Justice that. League. And I think, I hope for the best. I, I hope for the best for everyone involved. For the sure. Snyder family and for Joss Whedon and the DCEU in a more selfish way. Totally. Um, but we, once again, Joss Whedon, big driving force of what made this show so great. But once again, it is also one for me that I can throw on in the background anytime. Yeah. And just have an episode. Have a laugh. I love it. I knew this was going to be on your list. I didn't know what number, so I'm happy to uh, see that it, that it is there and that I was right. Absolutely. I enjoy being right. 100% as you usually are not. Oh, oh I see what you did shit. there. Um, so, uh, moving right along to the number four You number spot. four. Motherfucking number four. My number four is Rick and Morty. Yay! <laughs> Good show. Thank you. Rick and... I know. I made it myself. Yeah. Um, Rick and Morty is a newer show. So this is... They've only... Well, just now... At some point, are going to start season three. I know they aired the first episode on April Fool's Day. It's kind of started. I, I don't know. But then no subsequent episodes have yeah. aired yet. 
Um, but it's only been in two seasons, uh, only a couple years now. Um, but absolutely brilliant. I I have to interject here. Okay, that's my number two. Ooh, all right. Ooh, I reached way up to the yeah. top of your list. I and love, dragged it down to my number four. I love Rick and Morty, so I wanted to, just, to have the chance for us to talk about it together. Good. Yeah, but it's on it. my list, and it's number two. Okay, let's do it then. Let's talk about it. So uh, Rick and Morty, for me, a couple reasons why this show is so rewatchable. Um, one, every single episode is a standalone. Yes. So every single episode I can drop in and watch at any point, and the way that the characters are written you really don't need an introduction to the characters. No. They are self-explanatory within watching a, f- a couple seconds of any episode. I mean, uh, Chris Parnell does so good as Morty's dad. That I, yeah, I don't need a backstory or any sort of exposition nope. on Jerry to understand why he is the way that he nope. is. And that's actually one of the most brilliant things I think about this show as a whole is um, – they really haven't given you a lot of backstory on anything. Like no. Rick is, ju- I mean, they've delved into it a little bit, but Rick is who he is. Beth and Jerry and Morty and Summer mm-hmm. are just who they are. But there's no like, you don't need to be like, well, gee whiz, how did Rick? Oh, gee, Rick. Like, how did he? How did he turn out like that? Tiny you know Rick. I mean? Yeah, I'm Tiny Rick. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I but see what you did there. yeah, did you? I belched. Because I was Rick Sanchez just then. You just killed that momentum. It was awesome. All right. So we're back (laughs) in it. Um, But yeah. So for me, um, I mean, it's hilarious. Talk about a show being packed with a million jokes. I mean, this thing is so layered. You've got stuff happening in the background of episodes. You've got characters saying one thing. You've got people mumbling stuff like off on a side. That can be a whole nother self-contained side joke. Um, and that's actually one of the reasons why it's so high on my list. Just this idea of rewatchability, it sort of merges what I said about Seinfeld, but also merges what I said about Arrested Development is there's so much packed into a short amount of time that you could almost freeze frame stills and spend five or 10 minutes on a freeze frame to see truly what's going on and understand like what's happening in the background on the mise en scene. You could laugh at the jokes that are being made. I mean, the episode that I think of immediately when I think of this idea is the one where the, the parasitic uh, aliens are creating fake I think memories. That was total recall. Yep. And you, there's one scene where there's like, 50 characters in the living room. And that's a bottle episode, by the way, because they lock down the house. Yeah. Um, you can, f- you have to almost freeze frame the scene to dissect all the different jokes. Photo Raptor that are <laughs> reverse yeah. giraffe. Reverse giraffe is one of my favorites. Um, but I also love photo Raptor. Sle- what is it? Sleepy Dan? S- sleep. No, sleepy Jerry, sleepy Jerry, sleepy Jerry. Um, but that's, that to me is what makes it so ultimately rewatchable is that, Every episode is a self-contained unit, and every episode almost requires multiple viewings to truly capture everything that they've done that's worthwhile in the show. Um, and I mean, it's only had two seasons so far. We're not far, you know, people may have watched the, the pilot or the premiere of the third season, but for all intents and purposes, there's something like 22 episodes of this show that exist and I still find myself going back and just starting from the beginning uh, on like Hulu or something and hitting watch all and just having it on in the background. Because every time I look up, there's going to be a funny joke within a couple seconds, but I don't have to pay ultimate attention to it. Oh, for sure. 
Absolutely. No doubt about that. You know what's funny is, too, wow, I was just reading this while you were saying, this show has been off the air since 2015. Which makes me so sad. So, its final episode of season two aired October of 2015. I know. And so that's, that's, that's a, a long-ass time to be without another season. Which is another reason I've had to go back and re-watch so many, is because I'm not getting any new fodder from them. Is I'm almost required to rewatch them if I want those experiences. And there's not another show on television that gives me those same experiences. Like their, their take on the multiverse, their take on just other planets, just the concept of the show is, has unlimited possibilities. And, you know, with something like Seinfeld, there are a lot of shows that deal with, you know, New Yorkers, or there are a lot of shows that deal with friends hanging out. And, you know, with something like Arrested Development, there there are shows that deal with family strife. There are shows that deal with quirky characters like those exist. The reason that Rick and Morty is so high on my list as one of the best rewatchable shows and most rewatchable shows is it stands alone in its conceit that isn't matched by anything else. So if I want that experience, I have to watch Rick and Morty. I 100% agree with that. Um, They also, just as a show on its own, it's one of the best done sci-fi shows. Oh, of course. Like... So smart. And even though it's a... uh, Is it a parody? Kind of, of some sci-fi? I would say it's almost satirical. And it's... it's, Because it doesn't directly parody scenes, except for sometimes, but it does it so on the nose that it's almost a statement of satire of saying, we're doing this on purpose. But then it actually becomes just its own version of really good sci-fi. Exactly. Like, really well done exactly. sci-fi. Um, so it's like an homage satire. So for me, I can't tell you how many times I've watched these episodes over oh, and man. over again. Um, one of my favorite episodes is, um, I'm trying to think, oh, Anatomy Park. Oh, that one is with... um. With uh, last week, John tonight. Oliver. Yeah, with John Oliver. That one is they, so they go smart. Inside the homeless man, <laughs> yeah. where they are building the the theme park, like a Jurassic Park, yes. and that's it's kind of a send up of Jurassic Park. And I just love there's a there's a line at the end with John Oliver where he's sending them off in the tram and he's sacrificing himself to save them. And he's like, you know, I shouldn't have designed it this way. And then right as the doors close, he's like, oh wait, there's not a pilot. Come back, save me. And then he's like, oh wait, never mind. It's right. just so funny because it does send up all the tropes of movies and stories that are, are similar, but it always has a spin on it that's just really, really smart. And fresh. I think some of my favorite episodes are the um, interdimensional television episodes that are almost just 30 minutes of drunken skits. And I can say for our commercials that we've done in previous episodes on our on our podcast – that was definitely a major inspiration for us. Oh, for sure. Um, just because they are so brilliant. <laughs> They're so good. And so irreverent and weird and just they hold – there's no context yeah. for them. It's just this is what it is. Well, and another thing about that show that is really impressive to me and another reason why it's so high on my list and should be higher on yours is <laughs> that there's a lot of depth and heart to the show as well. Like the show where – the the Cronin universe, like the episode where they Rick makes Morty a love potion and it basically destroys the world. So they have to go to other universes and find their set of circumstances where they can just implant themselves. Oh, yes. And there's so much depth to that idea of 
well, does do we matter? Do, does anything matter? If there's all these realities or all these possibilities, what is our purpose in all of that? And then they reference it in another episode later where Summer's having a hard time of like, why was I even born? And, and, Rick, and Morty's and Morty, like, look down there. That's, that's my, my grave. fucking grave. Yeah. Like, I died. I buried myself. <laughs> yeah. It's like, so just shut up and watch TV with me. It's just, it can be so deep. Yet it's so irreverent and slapsticky and totally. that also joke-filled. gave that episode in particular the uh, multi-dimensional episode gave birth to the Cronenberg, the idea of saying something was a Cronenberg, which is one of the most hilarious concepts right. to me for just a deformed, disgusting monster <laughs> right. person. Which I'm sure David Cronenberg loves. Right? It's just like, oh man, look at that. That's a Cronenberg. Yeah. Rick and a Cronenberg Morty. And he totally did that with Cosmopolis, and he, he cast uh, Robert Pattinson, which is just a walking Cronenberg. He is just he is a walking Cronenberg. Um, but it's brilliant. The show is brilliant. It's funny, and it never gets old. I have watched some of these episodes, I would easily say upwards of 20 to 30 times. Easily. Which is why, again, it's so high on my and list, it, and, and you're I wrong still would, for having it as four. I would still go back and watch any of them anytime. Like, if you if you wanted to say to me right now, wink, wink, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, if you wanted to say to me, let's stop the rest of this recording <laughs> and just go watch some Rick and Morty, I'd be totally fine with that. You know what? I actually would like to propose that, and I say that, okay, everybody listening, we're going to take a quick break. You listen to this. We're going to go watch Rick and Morty. Be back. Welcome to sunny California. Who could imagine that beneath this perfect little community lies the mouth to hell and our only hope of survival to each generation a slayer is born is in high school. Turn up the music! Buffy, you are the slayer. I think I speak for everyone here when I say huh? Chosen to fight. I'm Buffy and your history. Trained to maim. You're the Slayer and we're like the Slayerettes. Dressed to kill. There's something bad out there. We'll find. You'll slay. We'll party. She's Buffy. And no demon. Don't worry. I don't bite. No vampire. No creature from hell. What is your childhood trauma? Can stop it. Buffy! has a job. I just want to go on a date. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Fight evil. Bring Buffy home. If the apocalypse comes, beat me. When Ron Howard turned his talents to television, we knew his show would be special. Securities and exchange commission. They have boats? (laughs) But we never imagined this. It's the fall's best new sitcom. Hilarious. (laughs) The one, the only must-see sitcom. The funniest new comedy. Usually, critics' quotes are only good for one thing. Shredder? No. Save it. Save it. Shredder. But ignoring these would be criminals. I'm having the time of my life. Hey, T-Bone. Arrested Development. Series premieres Sunday, November 2nd on Fox. Uh, so that was a great episode of Rick and Morty that we just watched. Probably my favorite. The one with Mr. Meeseeks? Mr. Meeseeks. I, I think Mr. Poopy Butthole gets shot in that one. Yeah, and then they had... Um, uh, and the dog takes over the world. And then they had the fart cloud yeah. voiced by Jermaine Clement. 
Yep. It's pretty great. That was that actually is a good episode. And then Bird Person was there. Bird Person is one of the ones that jumps out at me as being a super weird yet perfectly encapsulated character for that universe. Totally. And I'm really glad that um it even though I wasn't talking to the microphone, it didn't squanch up our episode. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. All right, so we're back in it. And that means it is time for you, Jay, to present to me. Your number three. In it to win it. Now, we've already talked about my number two, so I'll do three and then one. Um, my number three, my... Or num- you can remind us of number two. Sure. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. It depends on how to. I feel. You don't have you know to what? if you don't want It depends to. on how I feel. Um, my number three of the most rewatchable TV shows is, I think, one that a lot of people would agree with, I hope, but The Simpsons. Mm. The Simpsons has been on for 28 years so far. Um, it is one of the most quotable shows. It is one of the most memorable shows. It is a cultural landmark right. in the world of TV comedies. And um, so for me, it's one of those that I definitely can go back to. Now, I'm in the camp of people that feel like the first 10 seasons of that show is, quote unquote, the golden age. Okay. So when I do go back and watch The Simpsons, I always want it to be kind of in some of those first first like the first decade of the show sure um and then especially if it's a halloween treehouse of horror episode i can watch those any day of the week and we always watch a couple every halloween um but yeah for me i just think that the simpsons is so iconic the characters are so well developed it really paved the way for what a lot of animation would become. But even more than that, just the episodes themselves, while having an arc, while having kind of a serialized format to a degree with the town being very important, the town of Springfield being very important to the show, every episode is so well-contained and so well-written that they're easy to just kind of fall back into. And this is of a vein where I've seen these episodes so many times that I can easily have them on in the background and not have to pay attention to, but always look up and know what's going on and being able to laugh along and smile along with what I'm seeing. Sure. Now, I will, I'm will. i going to go ahead and, and put out what I will go ahead and assume is going to be a very controversial statement. I am not a big Simpsons fan. Really? No. Um, what? Okay. I really why? like. I really like the Treehouse of Horror episodes. Oh, they're, I think they're because they're so they're great. They're so genre specific, yes. though, that I love that. I don't know. It never hit me as overly funny. Really? Mm-hmm. Like, it's I just, just so smart, though. It's so funny. I mean, I think I thought Futurama was better. Like, I got more engaged by Futurama if we're talking Matt Groening, huh? Stuff. I got more engaged by Futurama than I ever did. And I've tried going back and watching right. Simpsons. I just don't care. Like, none of it wow. I find funny. Wow. I mean, not that I'm saying I don't find it funny. I've chuckled, but it would never make my top ten list of anything. Like, really? No, it's just not. That's so surprising. Isn't that weird? It is. Because I'm... I feel like that is universally a very beloved show i mean it is but i am honestly reason, shocked to hear this it's just it's just weird and like i said i have no ill will towards it it's not that i'm critiquing it like you don't think it's, it's not bad a, not at all i it's don't just, think it's bad it's just never for some reason i was never able to really engage oh man into it and i've tried like i said on several viewings when they did uh when fx got the rights right. to it and they did that like two week long marathon of every Simpsons right. episode ever I watched 
several hours of it trying to just trying to be like, okay, huh. well, I'm, I never really watched because that's the other thing. I never really watched the Simpsons growing up either. <laughs> so the Simpsons for me, I didn't even watch until adulthood. Right. Well, and maybe that is why this may be another sort of Seinfeld-esque show where I did watch it growing up, and so it's very ingrained in my psyche for something I enjoyed. But this was one of those that was sort of maligned by parents, like, oh, Bart Simpson's a bad influence, so sure. children shouldn't watch this What's show. What's weird, though, but see, that's not the case for me either. Like, I have no good excuse for not watching it <laughs> because I was watching, like, Ren and Stimpy. Right. I was watching much worse. I was watching Beavis and Butthead. Like, right. I was watching much worse shows oh definitely but for some reason it it just never entered into the lexicon of our household like it was just never something that was on my parents didn't watch it i didn't watch it like it's not what i found myself seeking out so a very small handful of my friends watched it or would talk about it right so just never be i had the video i had a nintendo simpsons video game that i loved I had it was that the the side scroller one. Yeah, and you had like Bart Simpson on the skateboard, <laughs> yep. and you had to like go into like and the aliens were attacking. I very like, I had that game too, and I very much loved that game. I, um, I did, and but that's the really the closest that I ever got to like the Simpsons world until I was probably I don't know like twenty ish maybe. Huh. And by that time, I had already seen Family Guy. Right. I had already seen like all these other cartoon animated shows that I found hilarious and that may be the problem too is because those those took the simpsons laid the groundwork oh, of course. That, for those shows to exist i was just about to say that those shows are basically saccharine heightened versions of the simpsons without the simpsons those don't exist and so maybe because of that fact because i watched it in the reverse order i was expecting i now had my bar set at these shows or what Real, i expect yeah. when i look for animated comedy and it honestly ended up feeling like a more watered down version of those. Now that that's I can see that point for sure. Now one thing I would say is that with the Simpsons, it, with it existing for you know 28 years so far, every season having 22 to 27 episodes of the show, you know it gets to a point where it's it's repetitive that they're sort of running out of ideas. And as much as I hate to say that, you know some of the latest seasons have felt that way to a degree. Now, one of the things that I would say about it, and this also may be controversial, but even in those first 10 seasons that I think are the best, not every episode is a winner. So for your purposes, when you're just watching marathons of the shows and popping in on FXX, that may not be the best way to go about it for you. Honestly, I would say that but isn't that what the rewatch is all about? Kind of, kind of. Should be able to just pop in on anything? Kind of, to a degree. I would almost use Parks and Rec as an example of this. The Simpsons is so character-driven. You have to understand, you know, some of the characters. You have to understand a lot of their motivations. Some of the some of the things that you know, mem- remembering things that Barney has done, or some of the the accolades he's gotten into. That is important for a lot of the context of the reality of Springfield. So honestly, if I were to pick out like seven episodes and say, watch these seven, it might actually give you a different experience than just popping in. And then the others would be heightened. Their enjoyment would be heightened. I will, I will give you this. I would 100% be down for accepting that. Like if you want to put together a list, 
send it over to me. I will watch those episodes because I have. Once again, I cannot stress it enough. I have no aversion. To right, the show. right, right, right. It's just that I have tried watching it, and for some reason, it just never. I always, always like, okay, I'm done with this. Like, I'd rather <laughs> go. I'd rather go watch something else that right. I enjoy. You know what I mean? Well, and that's one of the things that, in my opinion, at least, you know, one of the reasons I like it better than some of those shows that are versions of it, in my opinion, sure, is that it is a lot more story and character driven. It's an incredibly well written and well structured show whereas you know something like family guy is just let's cram as many jokes and interstitials in this as we can oh it 100 percent is simpsons is not like that at all simpsons takes a more labored approach to say you know what are these characters going through who are they what's the story we want to tell and then where do jokes naturally fit within these, these these characters' worlds. So watching it expecting a family guy, you're definitely not going to get that experience. But there are episodes that are much more heartfelt and much funnier than some of the ones, you know, that you may have just caught randomly watching. Now for me, because I love the characters so much and because I love Springfield so much, that I can just pop into it at any time and it, they are all enjoyable, but there are definitely, there is a high watermark for a lot of these episodes. There's one that was, is about a monorail, mm-hmm. that Springfield building a monorail. It's actually written by Conan O'Brien, okay. and it because he, he used to be a writer on the show. And it's hysterically funny, and it's fantastic. Um, then there are some other episodes that aren't that funny, not that great, but then there are some episodes like, um, Lisa becomes a vegetarian or um, when Homer finds out like meets his mom for the first time they're incredibly heartfelt and you actually get a lot of depth and you actually have feels hmm. watching the show All and right. that's where it becomes a really layered experience and I would say that's a more beneficial watch than just popping in hoping that you'll catch some of the good ones because they're not all great. And I will be one to say that they're not all great. There are gems in the rough. Sure. Um, I actually had, uh, speaking of the Bart Simpson game that you mentioned, I had a computer game for the Simpsons that was basically like, if you remember the game Mist. Yeah. Where you're just on the island going around solving puzzles. It was a Mist style game in Springfield. What? And it was a first-person view, and you literally the whole game was you just walking around Springfield. So it was like a virtual Springfield, and you—that's yeah, was the name of the game. Oh, virtual was Springfield. it really? Yep. <laughs> and you could walk into all the buildings. Like was you it could, cool? Yeah, it was great. You could go into Moe's. You could order a drink. You could go into the bathrooms, and like you had to find comic books and like play puzzles throughout Springfield. You could go into the the Simpsons house. You could go into the Flanders house. You can go to the school. Um, it was great. And, uh, I played that game for hours and hours and hours and it was literally called a virtual Springfield, but you had the entire city at your disposal and you could pretty much just go anywhere and do anything. So that's pretty awesome. It's not related to why it's rewatchable, but I did love the Simpsons growing up. Um, so that's my number three. Interesting. Well, I, I like it. I am willing to give it another shot via your list of suggested suggested episodes. I'm going to put a li- I'm going to put together a list of 7 episodes that you should watch and give them to you. Okay. I'm totally down. But so I'm not going to argue not a great show because clearly it has a huge fan base and obviously yeah. it's rewatchable. I mean, FX made an event out of right. rewatching it. You well, know what I mean? It's on FX, what, like five days a week? Well, they even have an app 
that is, yeah. um, I think it's called like Springfield or something. No, it's Spring- uh, Simpsonverse or yeah. something. And it's literally just yeah. every episode. If you go into the, the, the FX app, like if you have Comcast or whatever, uh, and you have the FX app on your like Apple TV or Roku, you can go one of the options is just Simpsonverse, and it's every episode of every season. So clearly rewatchable. Yes. That's kind of, I mean, it. There is a following. I'm not alone in this feeling. Yes, definitely. So I think it's solid, man. Cool. I well, like I'll it. give you that list. Okay. And do. in the meantime, I'll move on. Um, my number two we've already talked about, which is Rick and Morty. Can't say enough about the show. Amazing show. But we've already stopped and watched can a couple we, episodes. Can we bitch on one thing, though, since we're not going to touch on Rick and Morty again? Sure. Speaking of virtual things, Rick and Morty put out a virtual reality game. I wanted it to be better. And it Why is, is it not on it, PlayStation? And, and, and it's not on PlayStation. Like, um, So for the audience who's listening, uh, because I'm a soothi- super wealthy podcaster, I own a, P- a PlayStation <laughs> and a PlayStation VR. Um, but I cannot. I am not wealthy enough. I am not Kevin Smith's Modco levels of wealthy or Chris Hardwick nerd, Nerdist levels. So I cannot afford an HTC Vive or an Oculus Rift. They put out a VR game for Rick and Morty, but only for those two more expensive computer-based systems, not for a console. Not okay. VR. And I'm here to say, damn it. Cartoon Network, <laughs> we want that shit on PlayStation. Give it to us poor folks. And it's supposed to be great. It is supposed Why to be great. Why can't we play it, and Q? Like, let's look. I mean, look at the graphics. It's not like it's going to crush the PlayStation's hardware to oh, like, no, no. try and render the shit. Like, it's totally doable. Somebody's just actively going, nah. <laughs> Come on. Let's not. Come on. So, that being said about Rick and Morty, I want to play that game. Oh, so, man. Give it to us. If you're listening, and we know you are Cartoon Give Network it to our faces. executives, now. and Justin Roiland, now. and Dan Harmon, we know you all listen regularly to High Five the Podcast. Give it. Give it to us. Give it up. Send it to me. Yay. Okay, that's all. Okay. Um, cool. That was my number two. Nice. <laughs> now, my number one. Uh, I might, think I know what it is. I think you might do. I think you might do. I think you might know. And... Can I can I say something without? Here, let me say my little intro piece, Kay. and then you can guess, Kay. and then you can say your thing. Is I, for some reason the show that I'm about to name gets a lot of flack, and I think that the flack that it gets is because it's so popular. But the reality is, is it's so rewatchable that anyone who says they don't enjoy it is either not paying attention or saying it in a way to just be negative. Ooh, okay. Well, then, never mind. I don't know that I know what it is. What, what were you gonna guess? I was I was going to say a lyric of a theme song, and see if it tied into yeah, your show. Let's do it. Do uh, it. That I'll be there for you. Yeah, is that's it? it. Is it friends? It is friends. Ah! My number one. Well, most... you were gonna say people don't like it. I'm like that is universally loved. <laughs> it is universally loved among people, I believe. But for some reason, <laughs> but it's that cow demographic that really, no, 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 <laughs> really, no. It really no, is I've, not a big. Fan. What I'm talking about is like television like critics and oh, okay. like hoity-toity like snobby people like yes. i feel like it's such an a popular show that it's a very easy target that people who are oh, like okay. i like quality television like we're that's like just fluff that's just friends or that's just fluff and to me it was the epitome of what a sitcom could be sure and i still think today it's the it's the epitome of what a sitcom could be and I think because, I mean, if you if you really trace its progress, it where it ended in about 2001, 2002, 
that's about the time that the Bernie Mac show came yep. on the scene and sort of normalized the non multicam sitcom. Yep. So, uh, you know, Bernie Mac show created by Larry Wilmore, the genius Larry Wilmore, and Bernie Mac used a more observational style as opposed to the the classic multicam sitcom that you know Seinfeld, How I Met Your Mother uses it, um, Friends uses it. But since then, we've gotten like Modern Family, The Office, Parks and Rec. Um, you know, shows that really don't base themselves around the structure of that multicam experience. Sure. I think one of the shows recently that came out that tried to kind of revitalize it, like Undateable. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Used yeah, yeah. it, mm-hmm. um, the, which kind of failed. I loved what they tried to do of actually being live every single week, yeah, which totally. was genius in my opinion. I'm sad that it didn't make it. But Friends, I think, was such a high watermark that after that, people said, they did it. Now we have to figure out some other ways to show comedy on television. Sure. And for me, I can go back to almost any episode in any of the 10 seasons of Friends and be extremely happy and laugh at the jokes that are there. I can connect with the characters. And and I think that this show was one that took the Seinfeld model of a group of people, even in New York, just sort of living their lives and being in situations and gave it that mainstream popular feel, even though Seinfeld was, you know, an event on television as well. Oh, for sure. And for me, I just think Friends is so rewatchable that it is also syndicated on so many channels. My wife and I own all 10 seasons on DVD and regularly go back and start from the beginning and just watch them all again. This is the epitome of a show I can have on in the background and not have to pay attention to. It's one that if I am paying attention to, I can quote along with it and still laugh. It's one that if I imbibe some alcohol or you know some other substances i can just sit and laugh at it yeah i enjoy it on every sort of level that i look for in a rewatchable television show um and so and this is one that i watched growing up so again i have the nostalgia factor of me growing up with these people to a degree um but for me this is one that is sort of timeless. Sure. Even though it takes place in the nineties, but there's not a, you know, outside of the ones where they're confused about laptops, there's not a lot of date markers that said it. And it's just these characters and their lives. And I think that that is so appealing and the characters are so well-defined. The actors do so good in embodying who these people are and the jokes. Marta Kaufman is just a, a, a fantastic writer. I mean, she's doing now Grace and Frankie, which I think, didn't we get you and your wife yeah, into Grace totally. and Frankie? 100%. So good, right? On it. Like, Marta Kaufman can write the shit out of some TV comedy. Totally. And this just proves it episode Ex- after exemplifies episode. Exemplifies it. Um, so, what for you would you say is, like, your rewatchability level for it, though? Like, what makes it, on your list, according to you, the most rewatchable television show? I think that it's one that not only do I desire to go back and rewatch, but I can honestly, anytime it's on television, I don't have to flip away from it. I never get tired of what, what it offers me. Okay. You know, I think the jokes are smart enough. I think the delivery and the acting is well and is, is well. Um, I think that it did some things, especially for the time that it came out with, with you know, Ross's ex-wife being a lesbian and there being lesbian weddings. It started to kind of breach some ground that other shows weren't really touching. But for me, 
it's just pure funny. Where like Rick and Morty is funny in in a skewed way, like it's a sci-fi funny, sure. And they take a science angle, or you know, Arrested Development is funny in a very meta and high high Ray. brain level. Okay. Um, it's The Simpsons is an animated type spoof satire funny. Friends is just kind of that gem of pure. This is just funny, right? And that always appeals to me. And like there are episodes I can go back to, like Chandler in the Box is really sure. really funny. Sort of All of their Thanksgiving episodes are great. Um, I think Joey, the Joey and Chandler relationship is one of the most. One it's of the what best we comedic- modeled our friendship after. It's true. Uh, with beards, true that. And just their relationship is one of the better friend male friendship relationships that's been written for television and everything just feels so natural. You know, it doesn't feel like people are acting. It doesn't feel like they're trying too hard. They're just welcoming you into this funny environment. Oh, I wholeheartedly. And agree that, that makes it rewatchable because it's, it's almost like putting on a comfortable pair of pants, you know, it is. like you can dress up nice and you can be this professional during the day. But what you really want so you want to be at home and you want to be comfortable. And friends to me is the epitome of just being at home and being comfortable. I, I, I cannot agree with you more. I think it is a great show. It's one. Um, that's another one that I didn't watch when it was airing. I remember that because actually I think your wife was a big fan of it, but yep. you never really watched I it. I never watched it. And so she actually, we, when I met her, she owned them all on DVD. Right. Um, and so it was one of those uh, like – I want to say within the last two years, I've gone back and tried to make an effort to watch a lot of these like classically accepted, right? You know, benchmark television shows. Now, so far, I mean, I, we've talked about you doing that with Simpsons and your feelings on that. We talked about you doing it with Seinfeld, and you know, feeling like seeing that it's funny and appreciating it, but also feeling dated. What was your experience in? Uh, I guess introducing yourself to friends sure. as an adult. I will say out of out of all of the shows that I've gone back and tried to rewatch at an adult age that I did not view when it originally came out, Friends is the one that I enjoyed the most. I feel like um, it felt while some of their fashion trends were a little dated. Overall, it kind of feels somewhat timeless. Yeah. Um, none of the stuff is blaringly obvious that they go through. That's like, wow, that's a real 90s problem. Right. And I feel like after you get past maybe the first two seasons, even the fashion stuff sort of goes away. Yeah, oh, Once absolutely. Once they get into the later 90s and early aughts, it really feels like things people could be wearing today. Oh, totally. 100%. Um, now Chandler has his big sweater vests and like all their stupid like Joey Italian stuff in the first couple seasons. But once they get past that, it really does just sort of exist in this timeless bubble. But I think also what lends itself a lot to that ability to feel kind of timeless that Seinfeld did not. And we we kind of approached that is Seinfeld, because it was a show about nothing, it relied very heavily on what was the the current climate of things right to reference because they were referencing these people just going through yes. today yeah in life whereas friends was 100 percent about these characters yeah the relationships so it really had nothing to do necessarily with outside influences it was really just different character or, or life moments and events that these people were going through right and so i feel that automatically gives it a timeless feel because it's stuff yeah. that everybody can relate to. Now, while I can't relate to living in a $20 million apartment, 
on the salary rent. of someone who is sometimes and sometimes not employed. <laughs> a rent control apartment, though. Right, yeah. exactly. That's what counts. Um, there are certain aspects of it that I can't relate to. Also, I always found it weird that when they would suddenly be like, we need to fly somewhere, they would just fly there. Like, there was no, like, <laughs> we should save up for this $400 and, uh, like, plane ticket. Ask for vacation days from work. and Yeah. Like, well, although that, that can't be... We can't put that on Friends. All television shows sort of do Totally. That. But I felt like, for me, that show sometimes was a little blaringly how blasé they were about. Like, <laughs> right. There was no financial ramifications oh, no. ever, except for Joey. Like, they always <laughs> referenced how, like, poor Joey was and that he was always, like, borrowing yeah. money from Chandler specifically yeah. and never paying back. Yeah. But, like, everybody else seemed to have, like, a just never-ending... Yeah well of income from somewhere well uh ross was the most successful paleontologist on earth, <laughs> i guess well except for okay we have to say the first couple seasons with rachel she was a waitress mm-hmm. remember just a waitress right um and so she was always mooching off of That's Monica, true. but they didn't make as much of a joke about it as they did with Joey. With so Joey. you're right about that. Right. Joey and, was kind of the like, yeah. look how bored he is. And yeah. I love that no one, it's not so much the joke from how I met your mother where they never acknowledge what Barney does. Oh, for but, Chandler, but Chandler, no one knows what he does. Like they acknowledge this statistical they analysis do. and computer, whatever. Right. They say it a lot. But no one knows what well, he they, does. Well, it was in the episode where um, where they where the girls lose the apartment in the the quiz thing, and they're like, "What does is Chandler? <laughs> what is Chandler's job?" And, and they like, all just ah. like, uh. "What what does Rachel say? He's a, a oh man, he's like a prospectiner or so." She makes up a word, right? She's like, "What is that?" And for some reason, it's always stuck with me. I always remember they're like, "What is the name delivered on the TV guide?" And it's Chenandler <laughs> Bong, <laughs> Mrs. Chenandler, Mrs. Chenandler Bong. Um, I love the episode where they steal the cheesecakes oh, from man. the neighbor downstairs. I totally forgot about that. And then there's the scene at the end where they drop the cheese or uh, Mon- uh, Rachel. Like loses her cheesecake and Chandler's making fun of her, and then she just smacks the plate out of his hand, and they're eating it off the floor. And then Joey just comes up and pulls a fork out of his coat and just says, "What are we eating?" And sits down. And it's the floor cheesecake. Yeah. yeah, but the show, I mean, as a whole, I, I just really enjoyed it. You know what I mean? It it resonated with me. The jokes connected yeah. with me. I laughed. I enjoyed the characters for the most part. Yeah. Every once in a while, there would, for a stretch of episodes, there would be certain characters that I'm like, oh, okay, I've had enough of. Rachel was one who consistently got on my nerves. Oh, like, yes. I was just done with her. Ross started to do that, too, later in the series. Honestly, for me, Joey and Chandler are what bring me back to that show. Their relationship and their humor is... I can always laugh at what's going on with them. Oh, totally. I also really like Phoebe a lot. Like she was a she was yes. a very funny source of some Have you read the theory about Phoebe? Mm-mm. Okay, so there's a theory floating around online that the entirety of the friend show is a fever dream in Phoebe's head that she is a homeless person that is watching these people through the central perk window and sees these people come in every day. And then it's just making up stories of what's going on in their lives with her, a part of it. That's bizarre. <laughs> yes. It's a very dark 
That's very dark, dark take on it. It's very like the uh, the Rugrats theory or whatever. That's yes. Like Angelica is m- in imagining all of the other babies because yep. they all died in like various states yep. of whatever. That's exactly Phoebe's storyline. And w- another great thing about um, Friends that's very rewatchable, in my opinion, is how many famous people were on it. Oh, man. Like, the cameos, just being like, I completely forgot that Giovanni Rabisi was... Uh, Phoebe's brother. Was Phoebe's brother. Or, I completely forgot that Phoebe was married to Steve Zahn as a gay ice dancer at yeah. some point. Or, man, I forgot that um, the stars of uh, ER, George Clooney and the other Doctor, guest starred as doctors on the show. Or Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt's on there. Um, you got Reese Witherspoon and ben Stiller um, as, <laughs> as the angry, as yeah. Rachel's angry date. Oh man! And Bruce Willis. The Bruce Willis arcs of of episodes are so good. And then uh, what's his name? Uh, Tom Selleck. Yeah, Tom Selleck's on what? it. Is it, is Tom, it Selleck? Tom Selleck? I think it is Tom. Magnum Selleck. Magnum PI. Yeah, yeah, I think it is Tom Selleck. And then um, one of my favorite, and I'm sure you know this little anecdote, but one of my favorite cameos is the Billy Crystal Robin Williams. Which wasn't even a planned cameo. They happened right. to be filming on the lot. Yeah, they were, they were filming, filming that movie, the Father's Day or yeah, whatever, yeah. together. And they just came over, yeah. and the 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 crew was like, "Let's let's get them in the wanna, show. Like, do you, you want to do this?" And so they filmed that scene. Yeah, which is just <laughs> awesome. And so rewatching the shows for me, being able to be like, "Oh my god, I completely forgot that that character was played by this." Well, and there was um one of. I think it was the girlfriend that ended up being Bruce Willis's daughter in that show. Mm-hmm. That actress, I forget her name, has gone on to do a shit ton of other things. So to see people who got their start on Friends, oh for sure. Let's and let's not mention Paul Rudd. I mean, let's yeah. not forget Paul Rudd as Phoebe, who did get his start technically in the fame and public eye as Phoebe's well, also, husband. What I mean, talk about like Hank Azaria. Like I didn't even think about that. Um, Speaking of Giovanni Ribisi, the woman that he marries is Kitty Foreman from yeah. that 70s show. Yeah. And it's just like, this is just crazy. Yeah. Like, it is a wealth of talent involved in that show. And and I want to clarify before, you know, we get a Twitter maelstrom. I know Paul Rudd was in other things before this. Sure. I mean, he had Clueless. He had Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. I think there was one where he was a college stalker mm-hmm. um, who photographed women or something. And it's very dark. But Friends was sort of his introduction to very humoristic storytelling and you know he would do wet hot american summer basically on the heels of this he was in the last couple seasons of friends 1999 2000 and 2001 and then you know wet hot american summer came out 2001 so around that time was when he was really accepting his role as a comedic actor and then from Wet Hot American Summer, he got Anchorman, which sort of catapulted him into the cultural zeitgeist of comedy. I would say that Friends sort of started that trajectory for him. So that, to me, is why it's my number one most rewatchable show, is that it is just such a pure comedy. It doesn't have any sort of slant or meta calls to it. It is a straightforward sitcom of like the classical age, you know, like Norman Lear type sitcoms or like a Golden Girls, which is uh, one of my honorable mentions. Um, But it kind of takes that model and makes it timeless and makes it just pure enjoyment. And it's something I can always relate to. It's something I can always watch and I can always enjoy. I don't think there's ever been a time when I haven't enjoyed an episode of Friends. I I totally dig it, man. And I think 
um, that is a solid cap to your list. Like I, yeah. I, I do. Like I said, I predicted at the beginning of this episode that even if certain items weren't on my list, I had no doubt that I was going to agree because, yeah. I mean, I feel like. While a lot of our shows, I feel like many people will jive with and go, yes, that is rewatchable. I think rewatchability a lot is subjective. Oh, so it also depends on like what kind of stuff you like. Like, I think you'll be surprised because none of your top three was on my list. See, disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I'm excited to hear because I have some honorable mentions that I think may have made it on your list. And so those um, those are what I'm excited to get into. Yeah. So well, speaking I'll go, of which, why don't you run yeah. back through? I'll do my, a recap. But one final thing about Friends. Okay. Of all the shows that I mentioned, and this is another reason it's number one, it ran for 10 seasons. That's a season longer than Seinfeld. That's twice as long as Arrested Development. And it's five times as long as current current Rick and Morty. So to sustain that level of enjoyment for that long, I mean a decade of our existence is just is spellbinding in my opinion. I totally so. <clears throat> agree. All right, so number 5, Seinfeld. Number 4, Arrested Development. Number 3, The Simpsons. Number 2, Rick and Morty, and number 1, Motherfucking Friends. Woo-wee. Most rewatchable TV, not the best, but the most rewatchable TV shows. Wee, Mr. Poopy Butthole. <laughs> That's so now, a good list. If you have none of those in your top 3, I am exceedingly excited to hear what your top three are to see if I agree and or disagree. All right. Well, let's start it off then. Let's not uh, let's not delay this any longer. My number three is community. Yay. How could this not be on your list? It's an honorable mention and it is a high honorable mention. The the type of rewatchability I have for community is the, almost the exact same feeling I have for Arrested Development. So they fought for that number four position. Well, I will definitely say I, f- I would go back and rewatch Community any day over Arrested Development. Only because, A, there's so much more of it to rewatch. And, B, I feel like, just like Arrested Development, it is so incredibly cram-packed full yes, of jokes. it is. And so many references that even... So I was talking with a friend recently um, who is just now watching Community. Never watched Ooh, Community. Ooh, that's watched a fun Community experience before. to have. Also, I found out that she... Um, there were certain, mo- like, canon mm-hmm. movies that she had never watched. Like, she'd never seen the Indiana Jones series. Oh. Um, just random things. Uh, Ghostbusters. Oh. She had never seen that. Um but at she has recently also been watching those things. So she is watching Community, enjoying it, then watching these other things, and it is opening up new jokes that she did not get in Community because Community yep. is a very pop culture heavy show. So a lot of their jokes are 100% like expecting that you know the references that right. they're making. You know what I mean? And I'll add in a thought here. And I think this is one of the reasons that subconsciously I didn't have it in my rewatchability list is while community is one of my favorite shows, I always find myself having to pay attention to it. Okay. Like I don't just like to have it on the background because I love it so much. Sure. And because so much stuff happens so quickly sure. and in, for community, just like you said, you almost have to have this wealth of pop culture knowledge. So 
I just want things that I can turn on and are purely enjoyable for their own right. sakes. And I, but I feel I and see I feel it is. Mm-hmm. But also, it wasn't a requirement that it has to be able to be. Oh, background of course not. This is just my. Yes, yeah. yeah, this is just my. I'm saying list. because rewatchability a lot for me does mean that I can, if I sit and pay attention to it, I'm not going to be bored or irritated. For I'm sure. going to be right back into as much enjoyment as I had the first time watching it. For sure. And Community for me is one of those. I mean. That we hit on it with our musical list. It yep. has one of just like Buffy's on my list. This was on there too. Um, they have so many. I mean, their paintball series of episodes. Oh, they're beautiful. That you know they do. They go through several different genres. Well, they, just like Buffy, they genre hop. And that's what I think keeps it intriguing. Is like you can really just go back and watch whatever kind of. Sp- speaking of um, procedurals, they had a Law and Order episode uh, about so uh, about a uh, yam. Yep. Uh, getting destroyed in science class and they basically go through an entire law and order type yes. procedural episode over the murder of this yam. I love the episode where they have the teacher that's teaching like the theory of con artistry yes. and the whole thing is like a con art. It's like a, a spoof of um, the game or the heist or, you know, right, something like that. Like, everything is not real or what yeah. it seems to be. Um, but I mean, all of those, um, you know, regional community theater, oh. regional musical theater yep. is one of my favorite episodes. Their Christmas episode, the claymation episode. The claymation episode is one of the best. Um, the LeVar Burton episode with uh, where Pierce is in the hospital. Yeah. And uh, they have that scene with LeVar Burton and uh, Donald Glover <laughs> where he's just like sitting next to him and he just can't say anything. I even love the scene after that when he's just in the bathroom weeping openly yeah. and screaming. Or has he just, he doesn't say it. He's just going, ah. <laughs> it's so good. I also love, and I think one of the best episodes they ever did. Um, and I mean, the best episode community ever did was the multi-dimensional one where they're playing with the nine. Oh, the darkest. Yep. Darkest, darkest timeline. Um, but one of my favorites is their Dungeons and Dragons episode, oh, which man. is basically a bottle episode, sort of. But yes, for the most part, it, it takes place in the the study room. To have an entire story episode based off them telling a story in a room, and having it be as beautiful as it was, and poignant because it really gets into like um, it's, it's fat, fat Neil, fat Neil, the episodes that the issues that he's struggling with. It was such a well done, well crafted episode. Totally. And what's great? Speaking of Fat Neil, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. That's one of the things that too is the most interesting to me about this show is not only do you have main characters that you engage with and love, but they had a huge pantheon, much like The Simpsons, to reference your stuff, of auxiliary characters or ancillary characters that are also extremely interesting in their own right. Fat Neil, Starburns. Uh, magnitude pop pop. <laughs> um, I think my favorite uh, side character spinoff that they did is Leonard. Okay, and the they inter- the and they introduced the idea that he does snack food reviews on YouTube, and it has the get your hands, yeah. or get your damn hands off my uts. And they have chips. actual YouTube episodes and series that you can watch of that care actor doing, doing fast food like of frozen pizzas and uts chips and. They, there's a whole thing that you uh, that exists outside the show Amazing. that you can partake in. Amazing. But I love that. Uh, really funny thing, um, Magnitude, like I said, mm-hmm. Pop Pop. Um, that actor is Lee Jordan from the Harry Potter series. Oh, I did not know that. 
Mind blown. I just for sure. Blew your mind. It, you did. He's a British actor. Wow. Which is even funnier. And uh, but he's yeah. so funny. But that's Lee that Jordan from the Harry Potter movie wow. series. Never even recognized him. Yep. And I've seen both of those. I've seen those movies and the community a shit ton of times. Exactly. Never connected the dots. Yep. yep, yep wow. Yep. Um, he was also in a really funny musical uh, series that I watched, uh, Gallivant. I've, I've actually seen some it's, Gallivant. I didn't know he was in that. It's pretty good. He plays um, the uh, squire of Gallivant. From Gallivant, the guy that I remember is the dude that was in Psych. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, yeah, yeah. the police, the police de- detective, detective from Psych. Uh, Timothy Omenson. Yep. Or whatever. Um, but so this show, I mean, once again, this is another Dan Harmon show on my list. Um, you know, just like Rick and Morty, he's involved with Justin Roiland on that. But I genuinely feel like Dan Harmon is one of the most brilliant comedic writers, period. I would agree with that statement. Um, I think his ability to layer jokes and um, he does something that... Um, I find very interesting in that it he does a level it's a level of satire. He you can tell that he as a writer has such an appreciation for all of these genres that he lampoons or discusses. It's almost like this uber nerd level of understanding, right, of these things and he not only parodies them or or creates satire from them, but he is also able to elevate them yeah. and make great versions of the thing that he's parodying. Well, and speaking of parodies, did you, did you know he wrote one of the new episodes of the Mystery Science Theater 3000, The Return? Uh-uh, I didn't He know wrote that. the Reptilicus episode. Oh, nice. So he was the, the master, and I think that's the first one. He's the mastermind behind their very first Return episode. Which is great, by the did way. Did you ever see his uh, Monster House movie? Yes. I liked Monster House. Oh, I love Monster House. Monster House, House does not get the credit that it deserves. No, no, the no. The animation no. is sort of iffy, but the the story and the acting in it is... Is really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so for me, Community's on there because it's one that I will... I can both sit down and engage and watch in. It's one that I can throw on in the background, and it is always a solid recommend to friends when they're looking for new shows to watch. Um, it's one of my favorite. It's got Donald Glover. One of my favorite human beings alive. I think I have overly and in no small form professed my uh, my love for yeah Donald Glover and everything he does. Everything he does. Um, I love. Uh, oh shit! What is it? Danny Pudi? Oh Abed. Abed. His that character is so intrinsically amazing to me just i love the uh i love the asperger's aspect of it um man and that episode when he's making the video for his dad oh that is so poignant too though i mean it's so intense and it's funny but then it ends in this beautiful place where he's made this movie to express how he feels you know what he how he he views everything using jeff and britta and everybody that's involved and I, I mean, people who listen to the show know, and as you know, I have a big crush on Allison Brie, and a lot of that is because of Community. Oh, yeah. Uh, was it uh, boop, boop, beep, sex? sex. Yeah. <laughs> From the I mean, Christmas not, episode? Not just the over-sexualization of do her, Do you but have a monkey that you named Annie's boobs? I do. I do, <laughs> yes. Um, 
But I will say, so to offer also reference your number one friends, um, another friendship that you and I modeled our friendship after, I would say, would be Troy and Abed. Oh, yeah, of course. Of one, course. Of, one of the greatest television friendships of all time. Troy and Abed in the, in the morning. morning. Yeah. I mean, that's their interaction is next level to me. It's like, great. They they end most of the episodes with <laughs> a clip of them just doing something. Yes. Um, the Dean throughout the series becomes an endearing character that I love. I love that actor. Po- Jim Rash. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Jim Rash. Um, he also hosted a show for a while on Sundance, I think, called In the Writer's Room. It's, it's great. They have a bunch of them on Netflix. Awesome. Where and it's, he would interview writers yeah. of hit shows. He did one for Breaking Bad. That's my favorite one. I would encourage anyone who likes Jim Rash, because he was a writer for Community as well. Right. Um, but seek out the episodes called In the Writer's Room, where he interviews the entire writing team and Brian Cranston on just the creation and what drove Breaking Bad. It's such an that that was great. They did one for Game of Thrones, which yes. was fantastic talking um, with them. And uh, yeah, it's just a really, really solid show. So I highly recommend that. Um, but the Dean has one of my favorite moments, too, and I'd be remiss if I left it out. And it's such a small moment. But this this speaks to the the smallness of the jokes. They have jokes from very huge, obvious in your face jokes to really small, funny, quirky little one off things. There's a scene and I can't remember which episode it's in. But there's a moment where they just walk in on the dean, and he's sitting in his office, and he's singing a little song to himself. And he <laughs> says, he goes, come on, I'm dean, and my hands are so clean. At this moment, I am stapling. And that's it. That's the whole joke, is that he he was stapling, and he was uh, cleaning his hands with uh, antibacterial soap. Yeah, That's the joke. And it was just so, like... I don't know why. It just hit me as so fucking hilarious. I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention one of my favorite jokes from the show. And I know I've talked to you about this, and I can't remember if I said it on the podcast or not. But one of my favorite jokes from that show is in every Halloween episode, they make a oh, Beetlejuice yes. reference. Yes, yes, yes. So every single season, <clears throat> they have a Halloween-themed episode, and they make a Beetlejuice joke. In the third season... When they make the Beetlejuice joke, as in saying Beetlejuice the third time, someone dressed in a Beetlejuice costume walks across the background. It's so subtle, and it only makes sense if you've been paying attention for three seasons, but it's so smart and so poignant, and I laugh every single time. Uh, I cannot agree more with that. Um, So yeah, so that's my number three. I love it. And uh, moving on. To my number two, which is Boy Meets World. Yay! That's my number one honorable mention. <laughs> is it? It is. I can't believe it wasn't your number one TV I, choice. Okay, I have to defend this. Okay. Boy Meets World is one of my favorite shows ever. Yes, we've discussed The this. reason that it wasn't on here is that I don't find myself re-watching episodes as much as I do re-watch episodes of these other shows. Okay, so I have all of the seasons on DVD sure. and have watched through them multiple times in my lifetime. Yes. I watched dedicatedly every episode on Friday, TGIF on Friday nights sure. growing up. I connect with this show and have an emotional draw to this show almost more than a lot of almost more than anyone that I've mentioned, but I don't find myself rewatching it. A lot, which is the only reason it wasn't on my list, but it was an honorable mention because I had to talk about it at some point. And that that is acceptable. 
Um, although to counterpoint that, I will say because it, I have also, like you said, I have rewatched this show so many times. Um, I will say that that's why it earned right. a high spot on my list. I and I know, and I actually struggled so hard with this one because. As much as I love the show and as many times as I've seen these episodes, I think it's probably the last six or seven years I haven't rewatched the show. And so I felt bad putting it on my list over some of these that I go back to regularly. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. But I do feel bad that it's not on my list, and I am so glad you're talking about it because it is my number one honorable mention within my notes, had a frowny face next to it because I couldn't fit it on my list and feel good about taking some of these others off. I mean, it's just one of those for me that it it had to be on the list. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's one of the, the most rewatched shows for me in my yeah. lifetime, um, and it's it's a wonderful show. It really is a one, and I don't care what anybody says about it. Yes, it was a teeny, teeny bopper type focused show, but the the heart that Michael Jacobs put into that show, the level of writing, the level of depth, and just the expanse of characters. Not only just Corey and Sean, but the parents, Eric, Mr. Feeney, Topanga, um, Topanga, the you know the the teacher, um, Mr. Turner. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Turner. Just the level of the show. Angela. And then, then, yes, Angela, the introduction of Angela, the introduction of Sean's brother, um, and the bullies. Even, like, all through the bullies. Adam Scott making his television, like, big debut appearance as the outsmarty, like, smart, eloquent bully. He was when when Harvey went to jail, basically. Juvenile detention. Juvenile detention. Um, then Adam Scott popped up as like the replacement bully. I mean, it had uh, what's his name? What we were just talking about for the Mallrats episode, Ethan Supley. Ethan Supley. And then the other bully, uh, Joey, is his character in the name, is actually a guitarist, and he was in the band Rilo Kylie, which is oh, a fantastic. Really? Yes, he's the guitarist and songwriter for Rilo Kylie, which is a huge, you know, indie band, and he's in a band now called Night Sweats of 1978, and it's uh, they're brilliant, fantastic. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, so this show for me is just one of those, I mean, talk about being able to have fluff, funny episodes mixed with super hard hitting, heavy, poignant episodes. I, I have cried more in Boy Meets World than I care to admit publicly. It's ridiculous. I, when people, okay, I remember Did I, I say it's, I mean, you're ridiculous. I used to have a, um, like a thing with some of my friends, like I could count on one hand, like the, the movies I've actually cried in. Right. You know, I was like saving private Ryan, the green mile, but the series finale of boy meets world is in that list. When they are in that room saying goodbye to Mr. Feeney and he says, class dismissed. I cannot make it through that episode without (laughs) tears going down my face. It's an amazing show. It's funny. Um, and they do pretty much every trope of like we were talking about it's a sitcom. They've got bottle episodes. They've got Walt Disney World episodes, which was a big <laughs> yeah, like, thing in the 90s. Um, they've done. Oh, that's something we need to talk about. That's an episode that we need to do either like another stuff to on or something is Walt Disney episodes. Oh, of 90s television. Well, especially shows. like ABC shows that were produced by Walt, like Walt Rose- Disney. Roseanne went to Disney. Yep. Sabrina the Teenage Witch went to uh, Disney. Full, Full House, House step to- by step, went to Disney. Okay, uh, sidestep note Full House went to Disney and then had 
the actor who was the voice of Aladdin, Steve, Steve, be Aladdin at Disney <laughs> yeah. in like a fantasy for DJ. Yeah. Like talk like, about some meta. <laughs> yes. Layering like the, the, the tentacles that Disney had in some of these TGIF shows. I didn't think family matters went, went to, to Disney, Disney at some point. They all did. It was a nineties trope. Stefan built Disney shows to go to Disney, like to have their quintessential Disney And their episode. Disney episode was actually pretty good because Sean and Topanga, I mean, uh, Corey and Topanga, were, they were still doing that Ross Rachel thing of will they, won't they, and she went with the really hunky kid, and he went down there by himself and told her he loved her in front of the big fountain of the right. undersea adventure. That's right. I mean, come on. That's, a, that's an epic TV event. It really is. Um, but yeah, all in all, I mean, the show is brilliant. It's very well written. It's funny. Um, talk about funny theories, since you had mentioned uh, the theory earlier about um, the Phoebe fever dream. Um, I heard an interesting theory regarding this show um, that the reason that Eric, the character of Eric, gets more stupid and outlandish as the show goes on, because he uh-huh. started off being a very cool kind of yes, he's smarter brother. He well, he's not. He's never really smart, but he is the street smart cool older brother who always puts down and the then little he devolves brother. into just this like moronic oh he's the clown joke well which happens by the way that happens in multiple sitcoms like that is a that is a television show trope because homer simpson does that sure. once they find a character who can be funny they start to just every season build Dumb and double down. down on that well the theory was on the show that since the show is told from the perspective of Corey. That the older that he got, he started to see his brother and those around him for who they really were. I love that. And so, originally, when he was young, Corey, mm-hmm. he saw him as the cool, street-smart older brother. But the older he got, the more he realized that he was just a buffoon. I, I love that. I even love... E- Eric has some of my favorite... And that this, goes for all no. of the characters. But Eric is the one I laugh at his stuff, especially in the later seasons, more than almost anybody else. Sure. Like... The see, there's an episode where they do a flash forward into the future and he's become a hermit and he has like the big long beard and he's written a manifesto and he goes by the name uh, Talks with Squirrels. Talks with Squirrels. <laughs> it's just so good. But then he, um, the manifesto that he writes is like lose one friend, lose all friends, lose yourself. And there is a, a spoken word indie, like alt rock artist that I listen to. I think the name of the band is Hotel Room. But his very first CD, the first three tracks on the CD are called Lose One Friend, Lose All Friends, Lose Yourself. And they're fantastic. They're like spoken word poems set over alt-rock music. Amazing. It's awesome. I love it. And they do that a lot in that show where they just have these really you know, outlandish weird things. There was one, um, one episode I remember in particular where um, they are constantly battling like tropes, like television trope stuff. So they had the episode where Eric became – the actor for Eric on the show, oh, Boy yeah. Meets World, or it was like uh, it's uh, kid, kid meets Earth, kid introduced to Earth or something, right. something like that. But and it's and you also have like the Corey and Sean characters who are those actors, Ryder Strong, yeah. and Ben Savage playing the actors who are playing, and but, it just gets like super like super meta, super meta. But what's crazy is that it switches because Ryder, the Ryder Strong quote unquote character, and that is like super meek and like right. apologetic. And, and Corey's like a real <laughs> asshole. Yes. 
like womanizer. I think for me, one of the things that always draws me back to Boy Meets World is the the humor is is silly. It's it's sophomoric. I mean, it's juvenile because it's written for juveniles. Sure. Um, but the not like the rapper juvenile. No, like. No. I mean, probably. I bet he loves it. But he, and he says, you know, it's his favorite show. Back that ass up. Yeah, um, Corey. Uh, that's the name of that. The, Topanga. The, uh, parentheses Topanga. Um, but for some reason, that show was able to, to, in a non melodramatic way, I feel like really hit some heavy notes. Like there are two episodes I think of in particular, but one is the episode where Sean almost joins a cult. And do you remember that episode? Uh, yeah, no, of course. Yeah, and then absolutely. like he's at the hospital because his yeah. dad is, is in trouble. And then Corey's dad shoves this cult leader up against the yep. wall and just goes into this tirade. And it's so like where he's like, basically like, up. you stay away from and he's Sean. like, you can do whatever you want, but you can't have him. He's mine. Or, right. And it's just this awesome. It's there are moments in the show that are awesome. Yeah. And then the episode where Corey's dad, I mean, Sean's dad actually dies. Sure. Is so heavy. It, it's heavy, and they deal with the they deal with the grief, and yeah. they deal with the, the process. And then you've got the Sean and Angela stuff gets pretty heavy, where they're just you know it's this real like because they're witnessing, you know what is basically the stereotypical quintessential like sitcom romance between right. Corey and Topanga, two people that are just you know they're going to end up right. together, and they feel that pressure from their friends that like we should also be like that, right. but we're not. So they're str- and it's just. It's so smartly written. And then they don't. Yeah, which is even better. They they date for most of the run of the last bit of the show, but in the finale, they don't. They don't end up together. Angela leaves and joins the Peace Corps, and Sean goes off to be like a poet or something. Like that that was such a shock. It's like, oh, well, they're they're gonna end up together. Nope. And then they don't. They just buck the trend. Yeah. And it gets super and but that's what I love. And then we cannot we cannot discuss Boy Meets World. Without at least discussing a little bit, Girl Meets World. Okay, I was gonna say I thought you were gonna mention Linda Carlini from uh, no. Freaks and Geeks, <laughs> well, where she course. breaks up Corey and Topanga sure, at the ski lodge, yeah. and then that leads into one of the best Halloween episodes, which is the spoof of all the horror movies. Yeah, where everybody's and dying, where when they kill Kenny, you yes. bastards. Yeah, that's the show that actually references that Eric has a lot of sex. Yes, <laughs> I remember that. Yes, yes. And then um, they have Jennifer Love Hewitt who is dating. Eric at the time time. as the scream queen. And it was great. It was a great meta episode. Totally. Now girl meets world is one that I've, we've watched, but not all the way through. Okay. Um, I also haven't watched it all the way through, but we can speak to the fact that because the same crew mm -hmm. is involved with it, um, that was involved with the original boy meets world. They have done an amazing thing where they took all of these character arcs and storylines from the original series. Yes. And they continued them. They like, did in a very smart way. In a very smart way. So the the premise of the show is Corey and Topanga are married and together now, and this is in the future. Corey has become a high school teacher in New York. And, uh, Philadelphia. And, oh, is it still I think it's Philadelphia. I thought I th- it was New York. I think they just, because where they live in the show is a suburb of Philadelphia. I think they actually just move into the, the city. The, the inner city. city. I could be wrong, but I really think it's okay. a Philadelphia um, show. And it's there. They have two kids. They have a young son who is basically the Morgan of the R- show. Rory is his name. I think so. No. And then you have um, their daughter, the daughter, who is the Corey of the show. And All then right. she has her streetwise friend Maya, which is the Sean right um, character. So it's basically 
a facsimile of Boy Meets World. It is my only problem. Well, one of my problems with that show is that there is a a definite uh, flavor to new Disney shows. Sure. And I think they take too much of that flavor in to this one. Sure. They have all of the elements of the old Boy Meets World of what makes it great, but I think they add too much of that. This is what makes a modern day teeny show work. Right. Like the, just the fact that the main girl sings the opening the, the theme, opening theme song, song and they're yeah. like selling it as a, she's going on tour and they're going right. to make her a singer. Like some of that doesn't mesh with what the show was. Right. No, I agree with that, but and like I said, that's what, I mean. I'm not saying Girl Meets World is on my list. I'm just saying I'd be remiss if we're if we're yeah. discussing Boy Meets World to not discuss that there was a f- continuation in Girl Meets World, and that they had some of the most awesome moments. And you can't tell me that that moment where Eric comes back on the show and is running, I was hoping you would reference yes, this, and the little boy that he almost adopted from Boy Meets World comes back, the actual yeah. the same actor. And they have this moment where he speaks as a character kind of witness on behalf of Eric and to say that he made such a positive change mm-hmm. in his life for not adopting him, that he gave him this opportunity. I was just fucking yeah. overwhelmed with feels. I mean, there's so many feels. And I mean, and this is a silly one, but the fact that they have Harley as the janitor, oh, Kiner, yeah. yeah, as the janitor, but him and Corey are like really good friends. They respect each other. And then there's an episode about bullying that's very poignant. And Harley is the one that comes in and stands up for people alongside Corey, basically saying, I know what I did. I know what I was. And I have seen the, the, the effects of it. And Corey, and he like he basically calls to Corey. And he says like, I tortured him you know, as a child and the fact that we can actually have a relationship is a service and and an accolade for Corey as a human being. And it's like this really great emotional scene of Harley Quinn acknowledging what he was as a bully and the effects that it has on people. Oh, absolutely. It was great. 100%. Um, so all in all, it's just a great show. I highly recommend everybody watch it. I can put on an episode anytime. It always makes me feel good or, you know, takes me back. It yeah. hits that nostalgia button. Real I love hard. when uh, I love when Eric thinks that Topanga's cheating on Corey and he's dressing up as all the different things. Like he dresses up as the old woman in the coffee shop and he dresses up as the couch. Right. And he's spying <laughs> at one point. That's absolutely so funny. I like when uh, he hits his head and becomes psychic every time he sneezes. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's, oh, that's hilarious. Oh, Eric. But um, but it's it's really great show. So Handsome that's why guy. it earned its place as my number two. I like it. List. I love it. I'm glad you have it on your list because it. I struggled to to put it on somewhere on mine. All right. So that brings us to the number one. To your number one. I need it. The number one pick is the Twilight Zone. I figured this would be on your list somewhere. And the reason it's the number one pick for me, man, boy, oh boy, do I love the Twilight. <laughs> you Zone. sure do. Um. Twilight Zone, here's the thing. Talk about a Freak of the Week scenario. This is an anthology series, so every episode is unrelated to the episode that came before it. So you literally do not need to watch any episodes in any particular order because it absolutely does not matter whatsoever. You can tune in to any episode anytime. It, man, Rod Serling is one of the most brilliant minds that has lived. You you have a crush on Rod I Serling. really do, man. And I mean, it's warranted, by the way. This dude, I mean, you got to think. 
a lot of the tw the M. Night Shyamalan-style twists that you will think of now, Rod Serling is the godfather yeah. of the twist. You know what I mean? The twist ending. I cannot tell you how many current modern movies in the last 20, 30 years have pulled and and aped things from the Twilight Zone directly. Right. Um, it is a beautiful example of of irony. It is a um, a time capsule. You know, talk about being dated. The crazy part is, is um, so they've tried to relaunch Twilight Zone several times. They did it in the eighties. They did it in the two thousands, the early two thousands. Most recently, M Night Shyamalan, Shyamalan, ding dong, <laughs> was going to reboot it for TNT, I think. Um, and they recently pulled the plug on that. Um, but I was having a conversation with somebody um, regarding the Twilight Zone, and I don't know that it can ever be updated unless they set the show in the 60s when the series originally took place. I feel like the the stories require a certain level of um, period piece yeah. to it to make sense. Um, well, they feel like very classic of their time stories. The thing that I would say about Twilight Zone and a reboot is I have no desire whatsoever for a reboot of Twilight Zone. What I appreciate is I think that people need to take the heart of Twilight Zone and do something unique with those ingredients. And sure. I'll mention two that I think um, kind of fall into that category, but um, Black Mirror Absolutely. I think is, I will say is, is a 100% spiritual mm -hmm. successor to the Twilight DNA Zone. It has the DNA of the Twilight Zone, but it is not the Twilight yep. Zone. And then Dimension 404 has the DNA. So, yes. But yes. But those have the DNA of Twilight Zone in, Twilight Zone in them yet are not trying to ape the Twilight yeah. Zone. And I think that's the only way to go about it because in my opinion the Twilight Zone cannot and should not be recreated. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. Um I will 100% say that I think I'll go out on a limb and say this I think Charlie Brooker the creator and writer of Black Mirror I think he is the equivalent of our modern day Rod Serling I think his writing is smart it's of the time it's poignant it has a bent towards um, it has a bent towards um, um, the technology or sci-fi aspect of things um, it is, uh, you know, twisty. It is just, it's just, all around. It's just a damn good show. And that's what I want. That's what spoke to me about the twilight zone. I mean, some of the episodes on that, this series came up with are just some of the most amazing, some of the best, um, the best shows that, I, that I've seen. Like, um, we've got, um, uh, Pitch for the Angels, mm -hmm. um, which is one of the best shows, uh, best episodes about a down on his luck salesman who is visited by death. Right. And basically cons his way into living a little bit longer uh, by saying that he hasn't he hasn't completed what he needs to on Earth before he can. Right. Die, and that's making a pitch for the angels. Now, I don't I don't know the names of the episodes as well as you do. But the one that I always think about, there's two that I always think about is one is the the pig doctors 
So that's the eye of the beholder. And he makes, like, they make, he's had a terrible accident and he's beautiful. Well, and the reveal at the end is because you you don't, they keep saying that the person is hideous. So the whole time, the con- the conceit is that you're waiting to see what this person is going to look like who's under bandages. Right. Because they've been told, you've been told the entire episode that they are just absolutely hideous because of this accident. Right. And that they've only done, there's so much they can do. And then the reveal is, is that the person is actually beautiful and, by our normal standards. And everybody else is pig people. Is pig people. Yeah. And they think that she is hideous. Yes. And then the other one that I think of, and you can give me the name of this, is the guy who wakes up by himself in the world and then breaks his glasses at the library. Uh, time, uh, time enough at last. I okay. Think, or... I love that episode. Just the idea of this guy who hates everything. All he wants to do is spend time and read. Yeah. He wakes up and there's nobody there, and then he breaks his glasses well, no. so he can't even so do. The concept of that one is is. Um, Did I get that is, wrong? I mean, you're close. He is a bank worker. Mm. who is obsessed with reading and everybody hates the fact that he just wants to read all the time. And he goes down into the bank vault and basically the apocalypse happens while he's in the bank. Vault okay. And it keeps him safe. So he comes back up and everything else has just been annihilated by bombs. And he realizes that he's by himself. Everyone has died. And he goes through these several stages of like, he's going to try and kill himself. <laughs> right. Um, and then he realizes when he sees the library that there is still, a lot of the books that are safe and so he gets very excited and he he finds his passion at last his time enough at last he even says it in the yeah. episode and he stacks all these books up and he leans over to grab one and his glasses fall off of his face and smash on the ground <laughs> and the episode just ends with him just saying it it's not fair it it's just not fair <laughs> yeah like because he's fucked like and he's lost the gun at this point, so he's not gonna. He can't kill himself. Yeah. He can't read anything. Like he can't see any. It's just, it's just this level of irony that's just like, oh yeah. god, it's just gut wrenching. Um, I would also say that Tales from the Crypt, who had a recent reboot, um, kind of kicked to the dirt, um, sort of took the DNA of this as well, but in a more horror bent. Yeah, for sure. Now, to be fair, there were. Other series that did that as well. You had the Outer Limits. Uh-huh. Um, you had um, Tales from the Dark Side. Tales from the Dark Side is the one I was thinking of. You had uh, even even Rod Serling created another series after the Twilight Zone called the Night Gallery, mm, okay. um, which focused on more like hauntings and gotcha. like spooky side of things, as opposed to Twilight Zone. Really had kind of a sci-fi bent to yeah, it. Yeah, like, for sure. It really dealt with the majority of sci-fi kind of magical things in sci-fi. Um, I would say the other shows tend to focus. Uh, you even had Spielberg put out a series called amazing stories. Yeah. I remember that. Um, all really good anthology series, but twilight zone for me is just one of those, like any time of day, I can't tell you how many times I've sat and edited our show and just watched twilight zone in the background. Right. Um, I got turned on to it actually as a kid, I was probably 12, Maybe and my creative writing teacher is the best thing that any adult teacher has ever done for me. She <laughs> introduced the class to the Eye of the Beholder. She we screened it in class for creative writing, and she spoke the praises of um, Rod Serling. And she was like, you know, if you guys really want to talk about 
story structure and um, plot devices. Uh, Rod Serling fucking wrote Planet of the Apes, man. Yeah. Like he's a master. He's he's the twist. He's the he's the end with with uh, what's his face fucking staring. Charlton at, Heston staring at the statue, going, "You did it! You did <laughs> you it! Blew it you up. blew it up! You blew it all up!" Yeah, damn dirty. Um, but he's that twist that yeah. you realize that fucking Charlton Heston's been on Earth the entire time. He's not on a planet of the apes. He's in the future, and that shit is like mind blowing. Um, there's another really good episode, one of my favorites of uh, the Twilight Zone, and I can't actually think of the title of the episode, um, but some astronauts uh, leave Earth, crash land on a desert planet, um, and slowly are running out of resources, water and food. And um, called the Martian. They end up, one of them ends up kind of killing the others off to conserve food and water, and then... As one as the person he killed is dying, he's scratching something into the dirt, and he's trying to figure out what it was. And the reveal of the episode, as he goes up over a ridge, is that they never left Earth. They actually crash landed in Las Vegas, Nevada, <laughs> in the desert. And he just killed these people when he was literally just a couple miles outside of town. Like, but that's the ironic twist. Is that yeah. you know what I mean? Like he's thinking he's on a deserted planet, and you know he's literally been miles from civilization right. the entire time. Um, but it's those kind of things. There's an episode, um, I think it's like a nightmare on something street, uh, where an entire episode, um, this family is is trying to get off of what you think is Earth to escape this, you know, this incoming catastrophe. And at the end, the reveal is they were never on Earth. It's actually like Mars that they're trying to escape from <laughs> the whole time. But it's just these like twists that, you know, you never really think of. You came up with a story a while back that you had told me about that has gotten stuck into my head about uh, an astronaut going into space and like a kind of a doppelganger situation. He comes back and and everything is just slightly different than when he left Earth. Do you remember this? I don't remember this. We're going to have to talk about this off the air. Yeah. Maybe it's just a good idea. We don't want to give away too much. Uh, I don't remember that, but I probably... I probably would remember at the more we talk about it, but right now I don't. We'll talk, we'll talk about yeah. it later. It was very Rod Serling of you. That's <laughs> the highest compliment I can Yay. give Yay! Um, but, man, it is one of my favorite uh, series of all time. I, I feel like there's never a, not a good opportunity to reference it, to watch it. Um, I feel like everybody can enjoy it. I And it's really, you know, it's nothing gory. It's nothing too intense. Um, I've been able to show it to my kids. Um it's one that, like, no matter how old or how young you are, I feel like you can find something enjoyable about it. Right. Um, and the fact that it's it was made in 1960s, 63, the fact that it, it still holds up, and it really it does. It really does. I mean, for outside of some of the special effects or, like, goofy astronaut-type sure. spacecraft or whatever that they use, for the most part... It really holds up, and to stand the test of time over fifty years is really. I mean, talk about yeah. some rewatchability. People have been rewatching that shit for fifty years. Well, and not even that is just the groundwork that it laid for so many things that we hold dear nowadays. Yeah. I mean, it it really did set a it create it built a stage and it set a stage for decades upon decades of television and writing to come after it. I mean, it's. I, I have no qualms with that being your number one, and I knew it would be somewhere on your list. So that's it, bro. 
We finished the lists. I, now, the thing, we've talked so long about Boy Meets World and, and Twilight Zone, I've forgotten the rest of your list. Well, let me give it to you. Starting with my number five, I had Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Right. Starting with my number four, I had Rick and Morty. Yep. Number three, Community. Number two, Boy Meets World. And my number one, the motherfucking Twilight Zone. I love it. So at this point, I need to get some water, and we're going to come back and play a game that I think you and everyone that's listening is going to enjoy. Um, but in the meantime, take a listen to this. Hi, gang. This is Bart Simpson. Now that I am a huge star, uh, now that we're all huge stars, the Simpsons are getting their own series premiering Sunday, January 14th on Fox. Ah! The critics are hailing the arrival of the Simpsons. They're pretty selective. It's hilarious. Jingle bells, Batman bells. Don't kill me, Dad. Witty. Ow. Irreverent. Ow. A funny, funny show. When do we get paid? The Simpsons Christmas Special, next. Put aside the everyday world and come with us into the realm of imagination, the middle ground between light and shadow, the twilight zone where time's unbreakable chains can be snapped like string. What's today's date? March the 5th. What year? Why, 1917. 1917. It's March the 5th, 1959. Lieutenant. The Twilight Zone, where fate's castaways wait for a tide that never turns. Die only once. Just once. But we could die a hundred million times. We'd ride the ghost of that ship every night for eternity. The Twilight Zone, where life's merry-go-round runs out of kilter. This way, that way, never the same way twice. Enter this world of imagination. Rod Serling's The Twilight Zone, Friday nights on most of these stations. Welcome back. Woo, we're back. And it's time for a game. Got some water for something in my mouth. Um, all right. Why don't you explain? Why don't you do what you... I'm bad at... To, let's stick to what you do best. I'm bad at rhymes. And that's coming up with games. All right. Well, this one I can't really take credit for, but it, it fits with, with the, the conversation we just had. So our games today is I'm just going to crib from a television show. Whose line is it anyway? Okay. Um, so basically we each have come up with four... Very famous sitcom quotes, and we're going to present those to each other and see if the other person can guess the show that that comes from. And uh, if you can't guess it on the first guess, I will give you three options, and then you can guess it from multiple choice. And then if not, if you can't get it from that, I'll make fun of you for being a noob. Okay. So, are you ready? Yes. Should we do it one at a time, or should we do it like I do all four? Why don't you do yours, and then we'll do mine. All right. So my first one. Give me all the bacon and eggs that you have. Hmm. Mm. Give me all the bacon. And I'll actually extend the quote out to make it a little bit easier. Give me all the bacon and eggs that you have. And now let me clarify, because I don't think you're going to misunderstand. I think you're going to misunderstand me. I want you to go in the back and bring me all the bacon and eggs that you have. I have no fucking clue. Okay, your choices are Cheers, uh-huh. Becker, uh-huh. and Parks and Rec. Uh, Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec, Ron Swanson. Nice. Yes, I love that quote. Okay, so now, the next one. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, wait, where did it go? I just lost it. It was in, it was in my notes and I lost it. Okay. This one should be pretty easy. I've given, I'm giving you a softball. You ready? We were on a break. Oh, that's Ross from friends. Damn right. It is. <laughs> All right. You ready for the next one? Yes. This one's going to be a little bit tougher. Are we having fun yet? Don't know that one. Okay. That one is either from uh-huh. The Office, uh-huh. Party Down, uh-huh. or MASH. I'm going to say The Office. Nope. Party Down. Shit. Have you watched Party Down? Uh, very little. Oh, yes. Adam, great Adam Scott vehicle. Great Adam Scott vehicle. Okay. okay. And then the next one. It's also kind of a softball, but I love this quote. I'm afraid I just blew myself. Uh, that is uh, Tobias Funke from Arrested yep. Development. So two out of four, pretty damn good. Eat bad. All right, your turn. I need him. I want him. Um, all right, here we go. You ready? Now, yeah. this first one I'm going to give you, I'm going to omit a name okay. out of it. Oh, yeah. Smart. Because that gives it away. Smart. Right? God, it's me. What up? I know we don't talk much, but I know a lot of girls call out your name because of me. Is that community? Nope. Oh. You want me to give you options? Yes. Okay. You've got... <laughs> that's, that's actually pretty funny. Um, you've got The Simpsons. You've got How I Met Your Mother and Roseanne. How I Met Your Mother. That is correct. Barney? Barney Stinson. Yeah. And the full quote was, God, it's me, Barney. What up? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that kind of sounds like a Joel thing from community. A little bit. Yes, yeah. I will agree with that. Um... All right, next up, we've got, you can't just give up. Is that what a dinosaur would do? Now, you should know this. I should. I want to say dinosaurs, but I don't think that's right. Nope. That's um, a, a friends. It is friends. Yeah. That is correct. That is a Joey quote. Yeah. Is that what a dinosaur That was, that was well done. Oh. All right, let's see here. I got to pull up. Can a man be brave if he's afraid? That is the only time a man can be brave. Is that the office? No. Give me options. <laughs> you keep guessing things, which I'm going to use as one of my multiple <laughs> choice. So it keeps making me like real quick come up with something <laughs> yeah. else. All right. It is either Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, or Supernatural. Supernatural? That is incorrect. Oh, damn it. It is what Game is- of Thrones. Oh, it's a good right. one. And for the last one, Hodor. <laughs> um, Frasier? Yes. <laughs> Game of Thrones. That is 100% Yay! Correct. Nice. We, we didn't do too bad. No, I think we These each got okay. two out of four. Yeah, and I kind of lobbed the, the last one at you. <laughs> well, I lobbed. We were on a break at you. Yeah, that so. is true. You just, <laughs> we're just lobbing things at each other left and right. You know what? It's, it, at some point, we have to not sound as stupid as we are. <laughs> So yeah. this this helps. You can't let them know. <laughs> this helps. Can't let them know for sure. That brings us to the end of this episode. And as always, I'm Q. And I'm Jay. And we appreciate you listening to this episode. Now, if you'd like to reach out to us, please do via our plethora of contact options. Now, you think, why would I reach out? So if you have movies that we didn't mention in this list, if you have other lists that you want us to do, or you just want to tell us about some of your favorite movies that we may have not have talked about so far on the show, um, you can do that by emailing us directly at my5 at high5thepodcast.com or uh, message us on Facebook. You can find us at uh, Facebook 
high five the podcast. Or you can go online to our website, www.highfivethepodcast.com, all letters, no numbers. Or, as always, you can tweet at us on the Twitter, at hi the number five the podcast. We're on Instagram uh, as the same, right? At, yep, high five the podcast. And then we're also on Letterboxd, where you can see a lot of these lists. So that's Letterboxd without the E before the D. Um, and then, <laughs> and no, so no E, only D. And yeah, that's great. That's not sexual, but sounds like it could it be sexual. Like it could be dirty. Um, so we have all of our lists up there. Interact with us on any of those places. And as always, if you like the show, feel free to leave us a comment or give us a rating on wherever the, wherever you listen. It really helps the show get out, and we really appreciate it. Totally. So go do it. Go make us happy. And let's watch some movies together. Ooh, movies. And that's a wrap, everybody. Cut, Casper. That's a wrap. Cut, printed. What happens in the next reel? Cut. Okay, that's a print. Okay, cut. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, people. Now let's get the hell out of here.